Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome to Action Radio. This is Greg Penglis coming to you from the historic district of downtown Milton on the banks of the beautiful Blackwater River. And now let's get into Action Radio. So I'm just waiting for uh, Brianna Cannon to, to give us a shout here, but uh, I'm not exactly sure what's going on with her because uh, she was attending the, the wonderful Patriot Academy last week. And so, of course, I want an update on that. I'm curious to see what happened uh, uh, there. That's where a bunch of young folks get together. And, oh, see, there she is right away. <laughs> I'm, gonna find it. I'm not going to ask the question. I'll just ask her directly. But I want to find out about Patriot Academy, and I shall, I shall put to Brianna my question. Um, that I'll let her think about during the, the brief period of her theme uh, is what would happen if Trump um, actually applied for political asylum in the United States from the occupation foreign bogus coup dictatorship government that is currently occupying the White House. That is something I think would be fascinating to find out. Anyway, let's uh, check in. Hang on. Oh, i got to scroll down a little bit further here. Uh, check in with Brianna and see, what's, uh, see what happens, see what revelations, see what the, the future youth of America is doing um, at uh, Patriot Academy. She started as a guest on Action Radio, courtesy of our Constitution reporter, Amber Kemper. Both Brianna and Amber are graduates of Patriot Academy, a place where young folks get to practice writing and advocating legislation and being legislators in a mock session. Brianna immediately impressed all of us as someone we wanted on the show with her own report. With an insightful mind, asking and taking on complex questions, and a growing skill in sarcasm and satire, plus her study of government, history, the Constitution, and our founding, all of her skills and knowledge combine into something pretty incredible here on Action Radio. And now, the Government Inquiry Report with Brianna Cannon. Ha, one of my favorite times of the week. So how you been? What's going on? How was your uh, little sojourn there with uh, all the other patriots from around the country? Um, <laughs> I know you're there somewhere. <laughs> good morning. <laughs> I'm sorry. We're having a little trouble waking up this morning. Good morning. You need coffee. Jumpstart that teenage brain of yours. Come on, let's get going. We've got a world of things happening. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, so, yes, last week was the week of Patriot Academy, and um, we all had a lot of speakers, and we went over a lot of bills, and some of them were actually pretty interesting. Oh, okay. Um, Anything we can also, use? also, probably. Okay. Yeah. Um, there's one over the United Nations that I think you'd like to. Mm. I can read well, that. Well, we could do actually if you if you're still in touch with the bill author, they can uh, uh, if it if it didn't go any further in the Patriot Academy than just the academy itself, and they want to pursue it. You know, this is why I want to become a, a like a logical extension from Patriot Academy to take the bills not just as an academic exercise, but as real legislation. Uh, and keep it going, and then, like I say, you know, turn as many um, Patriot Academy graduates as want to and do actual citizen lobbyists and legislators. Um, so I think there's a huge amount of work that we can do together. You know, it, it's like writing a school paper and then filing it away somewhere. All that wonderful research and knowledge. You know, you get a good grade, and then what? 
or you get a moderate grade and then what? But the point is, it's the and then what? It's like, well, why waste it? Let's let's uh, let's put this to good use. So if you if you know some folks there, or maybe even talk to you know call up Patriot Academy again and then see if you get in touch. If you're not in touch with someone that wrote a bill and say, hey, we want to uh, we want to continue this bill. What uh, can we uh, you know get connected up here? That might be something really good too. What do you think? Yeah. Yes. Absolutely. And I talked to some people about it, and some people seemed really interested in um, applying their legislation outside. So are you are you still recovering? Was it a lot of late nights and all kinds of extra work, or, or uh, how are you doing? Absolutely. Um, I don't think <laughs> I seven or eight hours a night existed to uh, oh. anybody ever. Oh, no. But <laughs> yeah, no. Three, three hours a night. It was well worth you. it. Okay. Oh, yeah. So are you still recovering, or are you back to your, your same fine, feisty self? Half and half. We're getting there. <laughs> <laughs> okay, sounds good. All right, well, tell me the highlights. Uh, did you meet anybody? you have any contact with some folks? Did uh, Trump come by and shake your hand? What, uh, so what happened? <laughs> yeah, the last one didn't quite happen, but... Oh, well, I'm, I'm trying. And, you know, I figure if anybody – I figure you'll be the first one there. You know, so uh, I want to introduce you to um, Christina Bob tomorrow, who's Trump's attorney and advisor and all that kind of stuff. And, and my guess is that you're going to get the invite. You're going to have to say, oh, by the way, can you bring the creator of Action Radio too? <laughs> you know, it's like, okay, thank you. I, I, this is how just how these things work, you know. So uh, I, I'm just guessing. But anyway, we'll see what happens. But uh, yeah, if you can call him tomorrow, we'll talk about it off the air. But I want to get you uh, on that call too, just for a few minutes. That should be fun. That'd be almost like talking to Trump. You know, you're, you're close enough at that point. So, uh, yeah, <laughs> stuff happens here. That's what we do. So who did show up? Um, a lot of them are just, I guess, speakers in general. Um, uh-huh. Some of them a lot of people may not know. Um, we had people like um, Chris Dunham and um, Janique Stewart, which are really, really popular people from Patriot Academy. Um, and I know they do a lot of speaking, but I don't know exactly how well known they are, but they were absolutely wonderful speakers. Mm. Um, yeah, and then we had, uh, they're welcome on the show too. If you want to talk to any of those folks to have them come on board and we can get some more detailed questions and for a little more interaction. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. So who stood yeah, out? Um, Who'd you remember? Oh, go ahead. No, just, who, who stood up for speakers? I, I mean, you mentioned Charlie Kirk before as someone that I definitely want to get in touch with at some point. I, I wrote uh, his organization again, and it probably went to Minions, and Minions go, oh, Action Radio, Citizen Legislation. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> and they tossed my email. I know how this goes. I've, I've seen it for years. So we've got to get past the Minions. We've got to get past the, the, the gatekeepers, the, uh, you know, the, the, the visionless, the, the uncreative, you know, the, the, the apparatchiks of even the uh, you know, conservative groups and things like that. There's too many people out there that just, they don't think beyond the immediate. And that's my biggest problem getting to someone like a Charlie Kirk is I got to go through all these people that have no clue what we're doing here. Uh, don't see the potential, don't understand. And it's really frustrating. So uh, that's why any chance, uh, you know, this is why I talk a lot about folks like that because he can, you know, direct his whole organization and say, yeah, yeah, we can uh, create a whole lobbying program from our members. And he'd be able to do that, you know, in a day. You know, whereas... Uh, what you doing? You making? Are you like building a house back there? I hear all kinds of noises. 
That's okay. The mic picks up everything. I just I always like to advise just in case something happens that uh you know, you, you don't you don't want to be on the air, you know, and so but, but we get a lot of dogs, we get a lot of birds, <laughs> we get a lot of uh you know, time to go, dear. <laughs> okay, fine. <laughs> Stuff happens. It's, it's really funny. Um, but that's the problem with uh, folks like like a Charlie Kirk or some of the other folks that might have been there, is that it's just really tough because they have a very limited, limited amount of time. They have to rely on their staff. Uh, and their staff, I find, generally has no, like I say, no vision. They can't see. They, they, they can't imagine potential. They can't, you know, and we're, since we deal exclusively, in, in potential and what can happen, it's really tough for me to try and, you know, meet these folks because, because, you know, I can't present them with a million listeners yet. When I can, I won't need them. <laughs> so we'll see what, you know, sort of in this dilemma right now. Yeah. Anyway, back to you. Once you're finished fussing around with what you're fussing with. <laughs> Use papers, sorry. Um, That's okay. Yeah, okay. so... Well, I can tell you a little bit about like some of the speakers that we had. I can go over some of the legislation. Um, and what's, one what's thing I want to go you? over is yeah, something. Yeah, we can do both, but yeah. I'm sorry. Go ahead. But whatever you think is more interesting. Uh, speakers, I don't even know a whole lot about them, um, but I think the legislation is going to be more interesting. But I, I would like to know who was there. I'd be curious about that. Um, we had someone named Kevin Freeman, and he did this big spiel on economics that was um, really, really good, and he knew a lot about um, kind of stuff that I was talking about, too, but I think he knew okay. a lot more than I do about, like, hmm. the CBDCs and the breaks and the big economic warfare that's been going on um, okay. and about the history of our money. And basically, hmm. he was talking a lot about monetary threats and everything, and it was really good. Um and then we had John Stenberg again, who we had last year. And um, what he went over this year and last year are a little bit different. Um, it, this year is a lot about um, communication, which is really good. Hmm. Um, I wonder if there's some professional speakers, and that's they're kind of like on the speaker circuit. It's kind of like their job to give speeches. You know, I'm not a big... Well, I would do it, so I yeah. wish I could, you know, for for the show. But in terms of of speaking for speaking's sake, I don't think I get accomplished a whole lot. I, you know, I'm, I'm a in the trenches worker. You know, so to me, the actual legislation, the 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 act of creating legislation that people can then, you know, transmit by the millions, hopefully, uh, to government and media, that's to me where the action is. But just speaking for its own sake, it, it sort of goes along my theory of of raising complaining to an art form. So in other words, they're really good at complaining. Uh, are these speakers proposing solutions like abolishing the Fed and with real legislation, not just saying it? Uh, do they have concrete solutions that we can work on, or are they, are they dealing in platitudes and just sort of, you know, ephemeral statements out there? Uh, if we want smaller government, well, yeah, who doesn't? <laughs> that doesn't change anything. Uh, and it, it comes back to my, like I said, my basic claim that most of these folks are raising complaint to an art form, but they don't actually want to do the work that would that would change all this stuff, uh, you know, for whatever reason they think they'll be out of a speaking job or something. I don't know. I'm, I'm curious what you think the motivations are. Yeah, and I think in general a lot of it might be, like, educating us about it, but there is a lot of trying to equip us with the um, um, solutions to fix the okay, problems good. that they're talking about, too. Okay, well, yeah. that's good. All right, well, yeah. if you remember some of them, that would be they... interesting. Yeah. 
I think that's why they mix like this realistic process along with all of the information is to better equip us. Okay. And so equipped. Yeah. Now what? Now that you're equipped, now what? What do you do with it all? Um, now I go take it in, like, whatever area we go and specialize in. We kind of work at it, whether it's, like, community levels, state levels. I guess whatever God calls each one of us is really the goal here. What One of the slogans that they go okay, by. Okay, um, Yeah. It says, duty is ours, results are God's. And that's one of, like, the biggest quotes that they are talking about all week. Hmm. So. That makes sense. Yeah. Okay. So what you got for legislation? Um, Okay, so first I'll tell you about mine. Remember whenever I came on, I was telling you about the bill, right? The which now? So um, after we got through committee and everything, and I I was talking to a lot of people about it there, and and some Mm -hmm. of them were um, like actual representatives at the time, or, you know, previous ones, but when I was talking to them about it, there's actually a better idea than my bill. So I decided I'm just going to throw the bill out, and I'm going to have a new piece of legislation, but I have not written it yet. The idea is, instead of doing this, like, whole review process, instead, you know how there's a lot of watchdog organizations? Uh Uh-huh. So we can tie in a lot of those and write legislation for – not to, like, give – because the watchdog is, like, unelected, it's not, like, giving them any rights or anything. But right. somehow write legislation to where they can help hold the um, government officials accountable by showing this or, I guess, in a way, like, lobbying more the um, legislature in ways that whenever they do find something, that something can be implemented to hold them accountable. Well, if you could make filing lawsuits easier, that might help. <clears throat> or some kind of stuff, because they're free right now to, to go on media, to do all kinds of things, to tell people they're not, you know, uh, upholding their oath. Just to clarify for folks, this is the bill yeah. that, uh, that, you know, you, that everybody takes an oath of office. They, they swear to uphold the Constitution and defend it against oh. all enemies, foreign domestic, and domestic, and they do this without mental reservation or purpose of evasion, and we all know that's a bunch of nonsense, because especially the Democrats and most of the Republicans, they don't care. As soon as they get in, the first thing they do is evade, you know, uh, destroy the Constitution, you know, vote whatever the party tells them to do, and they, they become good little apparatchiks so they can get their election money for the next time and, and stay in the system. Um, have I got that about right? What do you think? Yes. Yeah, I think there's a lot of different angles that, you know, we can try and work this. <laughs> okay. That sounds funny. And this is, this is normal, by the way. If you have legislation, if, you, if there's an idea that doesn't work, you just toss it. Uh, if there's an easier way, a better way, a simpler way, a faster way, a way to get other people involved, you know, so the, so you delegate, you know, stuff, it, it, that's what you want to do. So that's the first thing you learn about legislation. I mean, I'm still amending bills I wrote three years ago, four years ago, I think even five years ago. So, oh, got a better idea. <laughs> you know, so that's, that's kind of a, the cool thing about it. And every time you make a correction um, to a bill that's on writeyourlaws.com, uh, it, it's it's self-correct. So anytime people click on it, they get the most modern version. So this is why we don't print any bills, so that every bill is in its latest form. You know, as soon as people take a look at it. So that's kind of cool too. So you didn't put a bill on yet. I think you were you're writing it, and it had a lot of stuff that that, that seemed extra at the time. 
And that's normal. It's like a big slab of marble. So we've we got to kind of start carving the marble up and make it look like, uh, you know, the David or whatever statue we're going for. That's kind of how yeah. I see legislation. Yeah, you know? Okay. <laughs> okay. Um, so what would you want to – do you have some ideas for what you want to put in its place or, or do you want to work on it for a bit? Where are you, where are you thinking um, of going? Yes, I haven't started it. Um, okay. I'm only back for like two days. But, oh, no, that's, um, that's fine. We're not on a schedule here. That's yeah. the nice thing about because uh, everybody's busy. <laughs> we all do stuff, you know. I have bills. That, I have I have 178 bill ideas that I haven't written yet, and that's just me. <laughs> that doesn't count everybody else's ideas. <laughs> so trust me, I understand not being on a schedule. But you know, we got a show to do, and life goes on. And... Okay. So, what what was what's the basic idea? How do you want to hold these folks accountable, and how do you want to tie in the watchdog agencies, just in in general terms? So this is kind of the biggest thing because. Whenever, um, right now, they already technically record some of the actions and the policy decisions and the way that some people vote. Um, Mm -hmm. I know the bureaucracy is not held accountable as it should. And I know that whistleblowers are kind of in a lot of danger in those areas and don't come Mm -hmm. forward a lot. So, you know, the good thing is that there's a lot of different organizations. The problem is they're not always in a position to get the information that they need. So I think the biggest speed bump that I'm going to have to figure out is trying to get the information they need to clear out the corruption in the first place. So trying to figure out a way to write legislation or find some solution to that problem is probably the biggest thing. Hmm. Well, a lot of the things are going to be House and Senate rules. Uh, As you were talking, I was thinking that a lot of times they'll have a, speaking of corruption, they'll have a voice vote. You know, who says yay? Yay. Who says nay? Nay. You know, and the yeas could be 10 times louder, and the, the speaker will go, the nays have it. You know, the bill doesn't pass. Like, Wait a minute. Wait, it, it, it was louder. <laughs> we heard it, you know. But uh, one of the corrections you can make is But in those vote. cases, you can call, like, divisions or record votes. Okay. But I was just thinking, should all votes be recorded uh, votes? All votes. You know, have a, have a cast vote. You know, when you see, uh, like, the sign, when they actually vote with the machines, you know, you have the yeas and the nays. And everybody, it's a roll call vote, so everybody has to be accountable to their vote as opposed to uh, you know, just kind of screaming yay or nay. I wouldn't mind saying that. That might be an improvement you might want to toss in. Yeah, that's a really good idea. Well, let me write that down real fast. Sure. All votes become roll call votes. That's probably the easiest way to say that. That way you know. Yeah, it is. Unless it's something record, like putting into the, yeah, uh-huh. Yeah, record votes take the longest, but they're the only ones to actually record them. So I think there's probably going to be a lot of pushback, but that's also a really good idea for accountability. Um, Thank you. I think so. But, I mean, and some things you don't need. You'll hear them say, for example, uh, someone says, I want to put this article, you know, in the congressional record, and the the, the chair of the, the committee hearing will say, without objection, so ordered. Okay, in other words, that kind of stuff, but we don't need a roll call vote on that, maybe the committee hearings. But the full House and the full Senate, I think everything they do should be accountable. Everything should be a roll call vote. And that goes to their election too. You know, especially when they lie. <laughs> there was, you know, they, they say, oh, I supported this and I supported that. And then you pull out the roll call vote. Well, no, you didn't. <laughs> you are voting against it, you know? And so, uh, so that kind of thing might be, uh, might be critical. This is a good way for watchdog groups too. So this, this all kind of ties in of, of holding up the oath. Or what you can do is actually have like a, uh, an oath compliance chart. You know, which, which, of the, which of the votes were the most compliant with the oath of office and which were the least? So did you ever look at voting records 
you know, like uh, the, the NRA puts out, you know, their, their gun rating or the Sierra Club puts out their environmental rating. They'll take, a, they'll take different votes and they'll, they'll put a criteria to it. A yay vote means you're for the environment. A nay vote means you're against the environment or, you know, pro-gun rights or things like that. Uh, and they make voting charts. But you could do a, an oath. And this is what the watchdog groups could do, too. You could do like an oath compliance rating. Are there 98% yeah, compliance with the, you know, go ahead. Yeah, that's an interesting idea, but I think that should be an idea left to, like, outside organizations and not necessarily the government itself. And, yeah, I wouldn't put it, um, yeah, I wouldn't put it like in law. The, yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, okay. Yeah, makes sense. Yeah, and with the removal of office and everything for mm-hmm. their violations, it's not necessarily like, oh, okay, how close did you follow the Constitution compared to this person or this person? Um, it's more of something that's like, okay, you violated the rights of the citizens, you're out, you're done. Like you had enough to, to follow. So it's less of like how well did you do it? It's like if you violate it, you're supposed to be out of here. And the problem is that that doesn't necessarily happen, and it yeah. should. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it would be interesting if you took the um, my favorite subject, gun rights. The, the Clinton gun ban is blatantly unconstitutional. Uh, well, here's an interesting thought, too. The, um, it's something that kind of happened while you are at Patriot Academy. With the Jack Smith, you know, bogus trial. Oh, by the way, I think he looks like Hunter's older brother. So I, I post on Facebook whether Jack Smith was related to Hunter Biden, <laughs> whether they were brothers uh, and really, uh, you know, Joe Biden's kid. It was just a thought. I was just amused when I wrote it. Anyway, um, but one of the one of the counts of the indictment is my favorite um, unused part of the con- of, of the federal law, the uh, USC Title 18, Section 241. Can you know um, what is it? It's conspiracy. Uh, against rights, which is if two or more people oppress the exercise or enjoyment of a constitutional right, they're guilty of a, a felony with you know, a 10-year prison sentence and $100,000 plus in fines. And that's what they're bringing against Trump. But when you look at it, everybody who voted for the, the Clinton gun ban is guilty of a conspiracy against rights. You know, everybody that does anything that, that doesn't comply with the oath of office you know, is guilty of a conspiracy against rights. Anytime they violate any of our rights, you know, so there's a lot that you can do with this. So look up Title 18, Section 241, yeah. especially in terms of, uh, of the uh, – now, the, the way Jack Smith's trying to use it against Donald Trump is completely bogus. It's kind of funny, actually, because what they've done is opened the door. See, I didn't know if this applied to uh, government people or not or whether it was just, you know, private conspiracies, you know, all kinds of different, you know, non-governmental things. But because they went against President Trump, the, the highest government official – at the time he was in office, they're, they're saying he was guilty of fraud and all this other kind of stuff, of oppressing rights, that that has opened the door up now to any um, infringement of rights by any government official. Um, they've now violated that law. Well, that, that's every Democrat and most Republicans and anybody who's done anything against free speech or against the Second Amendment or against due process or against any of the things that they've done. This is, this is a fascinating development. And you might be able to tie that into to, to oath compliance because the oath requires that you follow the Constitution. And if you conspire to, uh, re, you know, oppress the exercise, and here's the key part, or enjoyment. You know, if I can't enjoy my gun rights, they're guilty of a felony. I mean, that's a staggeringly powerful proposition, and it's never really been used, which has always been my eternal fascination that this bill, is this law sitting here, you know, originally was a, a Civil War, you know, enforcement of the 14th Amendment. I think it was like 1870 they wrote it, but it doesn't matter when they wrote it. And it doesn't matter, you know, what the original intent was. What matters is what it says. And what it says is if you're guilty of a conspiracy to oppress rights, 
you know, you go to jail and you get a big fat fine. <laughs> it's fascinating, I think. Anyway, you might be able to tie it in. Yeah, and I actually yeah. had used that 18241 in from my research for the previous okay. bill. What you, would you find so, out? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's pretty interesting um, provision. Yeah, okay. Yeah, and also one of the ones that was, um, I guess, to talk about is, actually the longest one was like executive order, like 1040 or something like that. Um, and that one was really long. And then there's a case that goes over it. It's called Walker versus Members of Congress. I don't actually have my notebook right now, but... Um, that would be we'll just make it up. <laughs> we'll, we'll get it next week. Yeah. Uh, so, so uh, executive order. So, it was a bill on executive orders. No, um, an executive order actually had gone over uh, the same idea of removal or for violating the oath of office. Oh, okay. And do you remember which one it was? Yeah. Oh, that's in your notebook, right? Yeah, I'm guess I. To best of my memory, I think it was 1040, but I could be wrong. It's probably long. Um, it's probably five digit. Most of the executive orders are five digits now, unless it's a much older one. Yeah. But they've been they've been five digits for a while. Uh, there's two. There's a couple of really yeah. interesting executive orders. Uh, one of the ones that uh, I want to focus on, uh, I should probably tell Christine and Bob about this tomorrow too, is the executive order that uh, John Kennedy created federal employee unions by executive order. Congress never passed a law on that. So Trump could remove the Chiefs Union, the SIEU, all these really horrible unions that, uh, that the government officials, you know, play to and pander to uh, with all kinds of money in exchange for votes. It's really a it's vote fraud is what it is. Federal unions or employee unions are a vote fraud scheme. The Roosevelt never thought that should be legal. A bunch of Democrats didn't think they should be legal. I don't think they should, should be legal. So there's something we can vote on. It's just uh, getting rid of that executive order. Trump could easily revoke uh, that executive order and no more employee unions. Now, if Congress wants to pass a law allowing them, they can. But I think there'd be such pushback against against that, especially with what the teachers' union has done to destroy education and, uh, and accumulate power for themselves. That I don't think people would would want a law passed by Congress authorizing federal employee unions. Yeah. Um, and that number year it was ten four hundred fifty. One zero four five zero. One zero four five zero, and that's on oath, oath compliance. Yes, and then the uh, Supreme Court case is Walker versus members of Congress. Sounds like a Jonathan question. And, what and then violations are found in eighteen U.S. Code nineteen eighteen. Hang on, I can't write that fast. So USC 18 section, which one? 1918. 1918. Okay. All right. Sounds good. Title 18 is really the criminal code. I think the civil rights laws are in there too. One of the things I want to do is write a um, a bill, and it should be fairly simple, adding ideology uh, to the list of civil rights as well as gun ownership. Um because those are two things that get prosecuted and persecuted all the time. So you should not be able to be persecuted, prosecuted, limited, you know, anything done to you by government because of your ideology. Uh, in the same way that gun ownership should not be, uh, there should be a protected class of people specifically because of the Second Amendment, uh, but because so many, uh, you know, things that the government does go against gun owners. You know, for whatever reason they want to do that as a, as a persecuted class. 
Which brings me to my point of the show today, and then we'll get to your stuff. But to just as a, an off-the-wall question you really haven't had a chance to think about, unless you've been reading up on all our action radio stuff, uh, I came up with this idea over the weekend that uh, all the January 6th people should apply for political asylum in the United States from our occupation government, which is basically, uh, you know, usually asylum is for foreign folks, you know, getting asylum from their own government because they're persecuting them. Well, we have a government here that's an illegal government. Is, you know, it's, it's not allowed to be there, and yet there they are. Uh, and the fact that they're persecuting people makes what the, their persecutions and prosecutions completely illegal. So my thought was, this is kind of, I'm going to talk to Christina about this tomorrow too, um, whether joking or, or for political effect or for actual uh, as a legal strategy, it might be interesting uh, if Trump applied for political asylum in the United States from the occupation government. How's that for an idea? I think they can and should do anything. Um, and even if it is a joke, you know, I think it can open a lot of people's eyes, too, as well with it. Um, but I don't know, at okay. this point, maybe not. Um, <laughs> but, oh, no. you know, and even if it doesn't, it might be taking a step in the right direction to um, help a lot of them. Well, let's consider it as, as humorous and consider it as serious. So the, the humorous side yeah. for me is uh, political asylum. You know, he's the most powerful person in the world. Why would he need political asylum in his own country? We're a free country. So it's kind of a joke, but it's not a joke because we do have an illegal government. They are persecuting people like any third world dictatorship would do. So they're, they're, they're exactly as the Russian communists and the Chinese communists and the, the Vietnamese and the Cuban and the Venezuelan communists, they're all, they all do the same thing. They take their political opposition. In the worst case, they just take them out and shoot them. You know, but in a lot of cases, they'll put them in a gulag, they'll throw them away. If it's, if it's politically not expedient to just kill them because they really can't get away with that, then, the, then they're isolated, removed. You know, a lot of things that are happening here. And Trump, they're doing everything possible to throw him in jail. Well, why would you do that? You know, he, he hasn't committed any, any crimes, obviously. You know, he's not a thief. He's not a murderer. He's not, uh, you know, all the, the classic things that uh, people consider criminals. Um, and yet they still want him in jail. Well, they want him in jail because he represents a political threat. Well, that's what people who, after asylum, want. They represent a political threat to whatever dictatorship or whatever illegal government, or even illegal government doing illegal things, uh, in their own country. So they come here, and that, uh, that gets them away from being uh, prosecuted or thrown in jail or tortured or, or killed by the illegal government in their own country. But if we have, and this is the first time, this is the serious part, if we have a government, which we do, that is illegal, that means everything they do is illegal. And if they are persecuting, prosecuting anybody and everybody um, because they have to maintain this fiction that they are a legal government, it's the only way they stay in power, then why not get political asylum from them? So that's the serious part of it. What do you think? Yeah. Yeah, I think you're right. You can be a serious, serious, ah, there's a serious side to it. And kind of like a joke to it. But either way, the situation itself, I think, is serious. Whether or not the um, asylum is or not. Do you think Trump should bring it up in rallies? That uh, he might apply for a political asylum from the Brandon coup? Would that be an interesting strategy? I think it would be. But also, I might not know as much about... um, the whole process or how effective it will be than some people. No, just take a stand. No, no, no qualifiers. Just, just tell me what you think. I mean, you know, uh, be wrong, be, be, you know, and anything you do, just, just, you know, I think it would be a fascinating strategy. Uh, I don't think you can know what's going to happen until you say it, but uh, if you think it's a good strategy, then just say so. Um, 
I think it'd be very interesting to see. I, I had another, um, here's another strategy idea I had uh, to show that he's pro second amendment. He should walk out to one of his speeches or all of his speeches wearing an old cowboy gun loaded, you know, old six gun in a holster and say, this is how I support the second amendment and open his jacket. And there's a big, you know, hog like, you know, big four, Colt 45 peacemaker sitting right there on his hip. Uh, that would bring the house down. That would be unbelievable. That would be worldwide news in about five seconds. Trump's wearing a gun at a rally. <laughs> you know, but uh, what better way to advance the Second Amendment after the, after the standing ovation dies down? Now, a lot of people said, that's a crazy idea. You can't do that. You can't have Trump wearing a gun at a rally. And I'm like, why not? There's like 50 Secret Service guys with guns all around him. <laughs> it's not like they're not there. <laughs> why shouldn't he wear one? So that's how I think of it. How'd that be for strategy? Would you, would you like to see that at a rally? Are you thinking? I'm oh, sorry. Hello? I had to meet for a minute. <laughs> I think you might say, I, mean, I, I always give you time to think, but then, then there's like too much time. And then the, 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 you know, we are still alive here. <laughs> I just want to make sure. Uh, did you get that or, or were you momentarily distracted, which happened? So I understand that. Half and half. <laughs> okay. So you think Trump should wear uh, openly wear a uh, an old Western gun in a, in an open holster um, to his rallies, you know, and, and then just uh, do a, a 360 with a jacket open so everybody can see it? You think that'd be an interesting strategy too? Absolutely. <laughs> okay. Just have everybody in there, everybody in the place opening. <laughs> oh, you get the biggest standing ovation okay. ever. And like I say, it would be world news yeah. in, in about five seconds. It'd be flashed around the world. Trump's wearing a gun. Is it loaded? <laughs> Hope so. Yeah. And, uh, but again, how, how many, how many <laughs> agents do you think are around? Well, yeah, I mean, what's the whole, yeah, that's the whole point. Well, someone might steal that gun. Oh, yeah, but they're going to get past the 50 Secret Service guys that are armed around him? I don't think so. <laughs> so this is why I think it would be, be kind of interesting. All right. So what do you got? I've, I've, I've sort of monopolized your report a little bit here. What's, uh, what's on your mind this week? Or do you want to deal with the the asylum thing, which I think would be fascinating? Um, that's all right. Um, I can maybe read some of this legislation. Okay. I mean, I've got lots of questions for you if you don't. I'm there right now. Um, but uh, and I don't expect you to yeah. be, have a whole report prepared because you just came back from Patriot Academy. So so it's not like you have to have anything, you know, ready to go. I've got some. I've got a bunch of things. But if you want, if you want to just delve into the legislation, let's do that. Let's see. Uh, see, especially if it's controversial, because I love good controversy. <laughs> Can't start the day without a decent controversy. Yeah. So, uh, so let's go for that. And then again, if you uh, if you want me to throw an idea at you, I can do that too. The big one's the asylum idea. Uh, that and the fact that we have an yeah, amazing opportunity. Surprisingly, the uh, Ukraine uh-huh. bill's one that caused a lot of problems this year. Oh, okay. But, tell um, me. Tell me. Okay, so it started out in my committee, and in my committee, oh. it had. Three designations, I guess you could say. The first one is that the United States will withdraw all fiscal and military aid from Ukraine. And then the second section was that um, the United States would vote to bar NATO membership for Ukraine. Those are, that was in their own committee. And I don't really know why, but because, you know, there wasn't like a big like substitution process or anything like that. I don't really know what happened, but for some reason the author withdrew some of the statements. And um, I think the fiscal one was they were saying it wasn't germane to the uh, relating to clause. But I don't know about the NATO one. 
so what happened was uh, the official bill, and when it got to the floor, had one line, and it was that the United States would withdraw all military aid from Ukraine. Mm-hmm. And, I don't know, it felt like we were on that bill for like three hours. It probably wasn't. It was probably more like an hour or something. I don't know. But mm-hmm. <laughs> there were so many mm-hmm. amendments on that thing. I think there's probably like somewhere between like nine or 12. I'm not exactly sure how many we ended up with. We literally got to a point where he sent out a vote to end all amendments adding to this bill. Yeah, that's um, called a cloture vote. And that's what the Senate does when they get sick of listening to everybody. They have a cloture vote. It's a vote to end debate. So that's actually a fairly common thing. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Uh, do you call it a cloture vote? And the bill ended up what... dying because there was okay. there was so many, I guess, problems and stuff that people, the little things, and basically the consensus to everybody was everybody agrees we should withdraw aid from Ukraine, but there was everybody thought that you could do better legislation than this is what everybody was, I guess, intending for it. Did anybody ask why we're there? Why we're giving aid to Ukraine? Did that come up? Yeah, everybody knows it's a sham and worse than that. Okay, all right. So, so, so given the war to end. So, so where's the point of contention though? What, what, what were they trying to amend? What were they trying? To, okay, a lot of it was. Um, gosh, I don't remember a lot of them. Let me see if I can pull it up. Well, I'm, I'm trying um, to think of what the reasons would be. So, we've got a group of people. We've got young conservative folks that don't want us doing this because it's a total waste of, of, of war. We've got. All it's doing is making our military-industrial complex, our bankers, our military you know, manufacturers rich. That's what it's for, and donors rich. That's, that's what we're donating money for so that it comes right back to, to uh, you know, government, the friends of government. That's what this is about because hundreds of thousands of Ukrainians have been killed, and they never had to be because we never had to have this war in the first place. We all know that. So the question is, what would be the biggest you know, point of contention for a bunch of young conservatives you know, at Patriot Academy? That's what I'm trying to figure out. Uh, I'm guessing that there's a conflict between people that, you know, want to win the war, even though it can't be won. So there's a conflict. People that don't want to see people dying. Uh, people that want to think we should do something. It's like the gun control crowd. We've got to do something. And, of course, the answer is no, you don't. You know, it, I mean, things happen. People are responsible for themselves, and, and you leave people and their rights alone. You don't have to do something. Government's not always the solution. A lot of times it's the problem. So all these things are probably tying in. So I'm guessing. But um, what do yeah. you think? Okay, tell me. So I can read some of the amendments that were placed on here. Okay. Um, the first one was striking the word permanently from the bill. Hmm. One of them was that the military will have five years to withdraw all military aid from Ukraine upon the day this bill goes into effect. Why the United years? States shall end all monetary support to Ukraine and remove hmm. military from the title. Mm-hmm. Until the recession, recession, I think that's spelled wrong. Maybe that's why I was withdrawn. Recession? Um, until okay. the recession yeah. of Russia's declaration of war, it's saying that we don't withdraw, um, basically this one was saying that we don't withdraw our money in our, or our military aid until Russia gives the rescission of the declaration of war. Upon ending military aid, the United States shall retrieve all of the United States military equipment from Ukraine. <laughs> I think some of this is we don't want another Afghanistan. Um, <laughs> well, that was a surrender. This that was pass, of yeah. 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 Should this bill pass, a call for investigation into all House members not supporting this bill for foreign ties shall occur. And they replace Ooh. the United States shall end all u- military 
aid to Ukraine with the United States shall permanently end all military aid to Ukraine. So this bill, or this amendment, was just trying to contradict another amendment that we just took out. So it was kind of messing with some different different dates and stuff that people put in here. Not a single one of these amendments passed, and the entire bill died. Right. Well, it probably is. Uh, that's not that's not a bad result. But I would be very suspicious of investigating members of Congress uh, for a particular thing, depending on their vote, because that could be looked at as an intimidation of, of the vote. In other words, if you don't say say the Democrats said, well, if you don't vote to increase the debt, uh, we're going to see if you have you have any donors who are bankers, or or we're going to investigate the, your economics, or we're going to go look at all your investments and see if there's a conflict of interest here. I mean, they can do that anyway under ethics and things like that. But if you if you tie votes to investigating particular areas of members of Congress background, um, that's that's vote control. That's 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 you know through intimidation, and that you can't do. So I can see where that amendment wouldn't pass. But I think I still wonder if there's a feeling of like we have to do something, we have to end this, we have to solve this. Do you think that was there at all, or did people are people more? It's not our problem. It's between Russia, Ukraine, and uh, Eastern Europe, it's their problem. Was it was that, or or did people want to do something? No, a lot of people at face value, I think majority of people were all for this bill and the idea that we all want to end the military aid and the money to Ukraine, you know, mm-hmm. um, or we want to bar NATO membership, even though that was taken out. So huh. I think the consensus was big. I think it was the detail, you know, I guess you'd say like the logistics of the legislation that caused some people to question the reality of how it could be implemented and huh. what problems that they would run into. And also, yeah. a lot, of, a lot of times, you know, the threat of you know Russia taking over another country, I guess, goes into play as well. I think the biggest thing is we just want everything to end, and America to get all their equipment and money back. Okay, that's great. That's that's really wishful thinking. I like that. Um, but the thing is, uh, one thing you might—I just had a thought of for a bill that you could introduce either next Patriots Academy or now. <laughs> we could write one. Uh, it would be the uh, Beware of Foreign Entanglements Act, and you could write this up, uh, basically saying that the United States will not send military aid advisors um, or or you know money to any country um, unless that uh, the opposing country you know, poses a specific threat of invasion of the United States. So in other words, we wouldn't aid Ukraine against Russia unless Russia planned to, you know, you know, send their Navy to our shipping lanes and start sinking U.S. ships and invade our ports and things like that. So in other words, there'd be no reason to give aid to Iraq or Afghanistan or a bunch of other countries. Like, look, if you're not going to invade us. Now, if we have a treaty, that's different. So you have a provision that, you know, a specific treaty would supersede it. But then the problem is we don't have to redo the treaties. Um, I'm thinking like uh, Taiwan in particular, you know, and, and but it'd be interesting. But there's, you know, the Iraq, Ukraine, Afghanistan, there's no reason to put any money in any of those countries. They weren't going to invade us. And uh, countries that are invading them weren't going to invade us. You know, when Russia invaded Afghanistan, did, did we feel a threat? No. <laughs> you know, so uh, if Russia invades Ukraine, is that a threat to us? No. So that might be something to, to work on is, a, you know, beware of foreign entanglements. That's what Washington said, either in his inaugural or his farewell address. I've forgotten which one. But he said, beware of foreign entanglements. Don't get involved in international affairs. We don't need it. It's not our problem. Some people call that isolationism. I call it common sense. Anyway, it's just an idea yeah. for you. 
There's, yeah. There is one over Terrace, um, and there is something over um, if you, like, for citizens who send money to, like, foreign militaries that are enemies like China. I think this one was specifically China, um, but they can be held as a felony. Um, wait, no, that was – wait, no, no. The felony one was the uh, education one. Oh, gosh, all these bills are running together. I don't even remember who did this bill. Goodness hmm. gracious. Oh, no, uh, what are we going to do? Yeah, the education That's okay, one no. was actually a big one, too. But Which one? That took a lot of time. There was one on, like, the um, uh, sex education. And that okay. one took a really long time. Were they yeah. for it, against it, or what, 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 was, what was that bill? Let's, that, that sounds different. Let's deal with that one. Enough of politics. Let's talk about sex. What, what were they going to do? Uh, what was the idea? Okay. Um, here it says, relating to sexual education in public schools. The final mm-hmm. bill that passed, I'll read what it says. It says the Texas public schools will not be allowed to have sexual education classes. Sexual education includes gender identity, sexual orientation, intercourse, homosexual activity, sexually explicit content. Section 2, necessary subjects such as abstinence, procreation, and conception will be solely covered in biology and anatomy. Section 3, provision does not apply to voluntary after-school programs. Section 4, enforcement. Schools in violation of this provision provision will lose state funding until they come into compliance with the law. Mm-hmm. And this one had 10 amendments added to it. Um, oh, and one of the okay. things of adding in the things with anatomy and biology at first before it was edited is, um, and I was kind of along with that group, is that if you just include it in there, then uh, you don't have to get the parent parental in, the parental permission for the students to take this class and the students mm-hmm. will not be in separate rooms, like girls in one room learning about it, boys in one room learning about it. Instead, they'll both be in the same room in their biology or anatomy class learning about it from the teacher without the parent needing to give permission for this, which makes it different than what we had before. But there is some of the things in Section 1 about what is not allowed. Um, and lots okay. more comprehensive um, sex education things that have been added in over the years. So that one caused a lot of um, <laughs> a lot of debate. Well, it's okay subject because I just wrote some things down here. You know, when it comes to sex ed, there's the biological, there's the actual physiological. You know, what, you know, sperm egg, the whole bit. The, you know, how life is created, and then you can get into uh, mitosis, meiosis. You know, the cell division, chromosomes, all that kind of stuff. That's biology. That's that's Pretty straightforward. Shouldn't be a problem. Uh, the moral, you know, should you, shouldn't you, what should you do, shouldn't you do? That's not the realm of of, of uh, government education. That's that's for parents and church and God and things like that. You don't. That's that's not a place they should be. And the other is the political, drag queens, uh, transgender stuff, which I don't believe exists, and a bunch of other things. Um, did did they break it down that way? Because that's how I look at it. There's like three components, and I was just writing this down as you were talking. You know, this is the biological, which shouldn't be controversial. Um, because that's, that's pretty well, the science is fairly set. We sort of know how life is created. Uh, but the, the moral and political are two totally wide open uh, areas that I don't think either one of them should be in the school. Unless you want to talk about in, in a politics class, this is what the left believes. This is what the conservatives believe. You know, this is what the law says. This is what the Constitution says. So if you keep it in a neutral thing, like I had uh, a comparative religion course in, in, in high school. Well, you're not supposed to teach religion. You know, yeah, you can. We're comparing Christianity, Hinduism, Buddhism, 
um, and Judaism, uh, you know, and Islam. We took a look at all those three things over the course of a semester. No problem. Teacher wasn't telling us, well, this is better. You should be this. You know, that's, uh, that, 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 that's a whole different realm. But if you're just studying a subject, that, that's different. Did, that, did, they, did they break them up in that way at all in, in terms of moral sex ed well, versus yeah. uh, political and, and then just, you know, straight biology? No, and that was one of the arguments that had come up. Is there's sex education with what most people have always known it has, and then there has comprehensive sex education, and comprehensive is one that most people have problems with, as okay. they should have problems with that being taught. Well, comprehensive is, a, is kind of a political term itself. Comprehensive in terms of what? You know, so that's, uh, <laughs> that's, that's a loaded term, right? That's true. That... I mean, that's a term that they have, like, given for it, but you're right, like, what all does that consist of compared to just simply sex education? So those would need to be like specifically defined as well. So comprehensive sex education, is that a liberal term or is that something that you guys came up with? It's the first time, this is the first time I've heard it. But the use of the word comprehensive um, can be very political in terms of comprehensive immigration reform is code for mass amnesty of all illegal aliens. So comprehensive sex ed might be codenamed for what if it comes from the left? Does it come from the left? Or is that something you guys use? I don't know. Um, okay. Well, it'd be something because it makes all the difference. If the see. left comes up with a term, because, you know, the left will say things um, that, have, that have nothing to do with reality. It's all, it's all buzzword. It's like the Affordable Care Act from Obama. You know, or, or the Inflation Reduction Act, which caused mass inflation. Uh, or, like I say, comprehensive immigration reform, which means amnesty. Um, gun control, which means disarmament and confiscation. I mean, I could, I could do this all day. Uh, all these things that they okay, mean. Okay, it's liberal. It came from the United Nations. Oh, well, there you go. Okay. So now we know. There's, there's something that has, like, eight points to it, I guess, that the United oh, States do, Nations oh, do tell. put out. Tell me what the United Nations put out. Number one, relationships. Number two, values, rights, culture, and sexuality. Number Uh three, understanding gender. Number four, violence (laughs) and staying safe. Stop right there. Stop right there. there. Do you understand gender? (laughs) Tell tell me gender in like five words. Okay, well, a pig can be a horse and... All horses have to be white because they're horrible. All right, I'll do it in six words. The two sexes are male and female. Now I understand gender. Next point. Yes. <laughs> I was but just that, doing like, the most ridiculous thing ever. That is the most ridiculous thing ever. I agree with you. Yeah. But, but this, is, this is fascinating. Yeah. Just Actually, imagine. of course. Now, go ahead. Keep going. No, this is great. This is, but, but this makes sense now as to where this, where this term came from. Yeah. Number four, violence and staying safe. Number five, uh-huh. skills for health and well-being. Skills? Or we know five. Uh-oh. <laughs> what does that really health. mean? Does that mean, you know, bizarre things we can't talk about on the air? Probably. Um, so we're not going to talk about it on like, the air. Probably like, you know, the SEL learning, like social, emotional learning, if I was to guess. Um, number six what? is the human body and development. Uh-huh. Number seven is sexuality and sexual behavior. And number eight is sexual and reproductive health. Health. See, health is code for abortion, right? Because whenever you hear <laughs> we, we have to maintain woman's health, it, this is a health issue. 
They're talking about abortion, right? Yeah. Or, or here's another good one, gender-affirming well, care. In, well, yeah, no, but in, yeah, in, in, I'm mean, talking about the political context, Sometimes right? it does, like like women's right to health care and stuff like that. Sometimes what right. they're talking about is that it's not in every case, though. Okay, but, which is good. Yeah. But how about uh, gender? Did they, did they mention gender-affirming care? There's another term that has nothing to do with what it really is. Because if you're transing, by definition, you're gender-unaffirming or you're Jennifer, gender transferring or gender reversing or something. Well, you're not affirming. You're doing everything but affirming. If you're affirming, you'd leave people alone. Yeah. <laughs> you'd affirm their gender. Say, okay, I you were born male. I remember somebody talking you're, you're, about this. Okay, tell me. But I don't remember who, but it was like, it's a complete contradiction because you're not affirming anything. You're changing something. Exactly. So That's my point. To, it was created because people would have a problem with that, and they would go to somebody who would help them in being um, uh, in, in order to stay away from that. Right. But I'm actually going to go in because we don't have a whole lot of time left, and there's two right. more bills I want to read over to you. So let's okay, try good. and get I'm through yeah. two. Oh. Yeah, just, if you have stuff to do, just tell me you got to move on. I mean, you're, you're perfectly – because I'll just – you know me. Whatever pops into my head just comes out. So tell me the bills. We've got a few minutes yeah. before Chelsea. Yeah. So this one is – yeah, this one passed. It says, this act prohibits the United States private equity investors from providing capital – to companies directly enabling the military interests of the CCP, which is Chinese okay. Communist Party. Yep. Mm-hmm. It says, relating to addressing the threats of private equity investments and the civil military enterprise of the Chinese Communist Party. Section 1. The Title 15 of the United States Code is amended by adding a new section as follows. In general... No investments in equity securities shall be made by a United States entity in any Chinese civil military entity. Chinese civil military entity is defined for the purposes of this prohibition. A Chinese civil military entity is any foreign entity designated as a Chinese civil military company pursuant to the civil military industrial complex list of the Department of Treasury or any foreign entity designed by the Department of Defense as a Chinese communist military company pursuant to Section 1206H of the National <laughs> Defense Authorization Act of fiscal year 2021. Penalties. The penalties set forth in Section 206 of the International Emergency Economic Powers Act, 50 United States Code 1705, apply to the violations of any regulation issued under this section. The Office of Foreign Assets control of the Department of the Treasury, sorry, the Office of Foreign Assets, control of the Department of Treasury shall be responsible for the enforcement of the requirements set forth in Section 1. This act takes effect on the 91st day after the last day of the legislation, legislative session. See, now, um, was it you I went over with, um, I know we did an entire di- uh, a show or hour or so, I think you were there. When we went over the National Defense Authorization Act, was that with you or is that with um... – no, it was Catherine. Catherine, we went over it. We went over the entire thing. That's part of the bill. That was part of this year's bill. If I'm pretty sure that the 2023 or 2024, because that was due to your head, 2024 NDAA, the National Defense Authorization Act, contains a bunch of provisions um, against China. Now, whether it pa- those passed or not, I don't know because they were amendments. 
But we did a whole show on that. So if you go back a couple of weeks, maybe three, four weeks, on it was on a Friday, two hours, on, on all the Republican amendments to the National Defense Authorization Act. So what was the result with you guys? You passed it, right? Say so no, no Chinese involvement? Yes. How about farmland? Yes, can, it passed. Can, can, can the Chinese buy farmland in your bill? U.S. farmland? Um, technically, yeah. Well, we didn't. Well, that wouldn't be really germane to what the bill is doing. It was a very specific bill. So okay, that sounds good. That has right. to be a different one. What's your last yeah. bill? Let's make sure we get that in. We got three minutes. So this is the one we were trying to suspend the rules for, but it never happened. <laughs> hmm. Okay. It says. The legislation is authorized by Article 1, Section 8 of the Constitution to make all laws which shall be necessary and proper for carrying into execution the foregoing powers and all other powers vested by the Constitution and the Government of the United States relating to the necessary and proper clause of the U.S. Constitution. Section 1. Congress hereby terminates the United States membership in the United Nations and all affiliated bodies, ending U.S. participation in all United Nations conventions and agreements. Section 2, it repeals acts related to the United Nations, including the United Nations Participation Act, the United Nations Headquarters Agreement Act, the United Nations Environment Program Participation Act, and joint resolutions establishing U.S. membership in the World Health Organization and the United Nations Educational, Scientific, and Cultural Organizations. Section 3, funds may be appropriated to facilitate United States withdrawal from the United Nations. No funds may be available to contribution, for contribution to or paid to any United Nations body. Section 4, no member of the United States Armed Forces may serve under United Nations command, and no funds may be used to support Armed Forces' participation in United Nations military operations. Section 5, diplomatic immunity for officers and employees of the United Nations shall hereby be repealed. <laughs> Section 6, the United States membership and financial commitment to the International Monetary Fund shall hereby be terminated. This act shall take effect January 1st of 2024. Now, is that a constitutional amendment? Because you mentioned the necessary and proper clause, or is that stating where the authority is to this act? It, no, it, yeah, that was stating where the authority is given by them. Okay. Yeah, you don't have to say the necessary and proper. You don't have to state that. I mean, the, the, the act itself is fine. So what's, what's the title? So the relating to clause says relating to the necessary and proper clause of the Constitution, which in the description is said Article 1, Section 8, which is to make all laws which shall be necessary and proper for carrying into execution the foregoing powers and all other powers vested by this Constitution and the government of the United States. Mm-hmm. Okay. So necessary and proper is, is, a, is a very misinterpreted it's, – it's like the Commerce Clause. You know, they say that Congress can regulate interstate commerce, therefore they can, you know, do everything. <laughs> yeah, the Civil Rights was done under, under the Commerce Clause. The CDC, uh, Center for Disease Control, is under the Commerce Clause. Uh, the Census is under the Commerce Clause. There's a bunch of other things actually in the Constitution. Uh, but this, the, the, the Commerce Clause is used for anything that Congress wants to do. It's really pretty incredible. It's uh, a lot of the Supreme Court it's the, it's the Well, it shouldn't be, though. The Commerce Clause is specifically for interstate commerce where it's necessary for the federal government to ensure that the states don't have a bunch of uh, 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 independent things for restraints of trade. 
In other words, they can't, you know, like change the, the, the train track gauges so that you have to spend a ton of money going from a, a wider gauge to a narrower gauge train. Uh, the time zones, you know, each state doesn't get its own time zone making up whatever time it wants. You know, it can't be 435 in one state and, you know, 512 in the next state kind of thing. Uh, there's different standards. Um, money, you know, you can't, each state can't make its own currency. So there's a lot of things in interstate commerce that make sense. But it only applies to goods crossing state lines. It doesn't apply to everything under the sun. So that's the problem. Okay, it's something about necessary and clause. Oh, I was thinking of the supremacy clause. That's different. So, so it says to make all laws which shall be necessary and proper for carrying into execution the foregoing powers. So the foregoing powers are Article 1, Section 8, correct? Yes. That's what it says. Okay. And then it says, and, yes. and all other powers vested by this Constitution in the government of the United States or in any department or officer thereof. So what, what's vested in the Constitution of the United States is what, the, uh, what the, the states gave to the federal government. So it doesn't say they can make all laws that they, they think are necessary and proper. It only says they can make laws which are necessary and proper to the foregoing powers of Article I, Section 8, and those that specifically come under uh, the Constitution. Now, does public health, for example... Um, come under the Constitution? Is that, a, is that a, uh, a vested power of the federal government to engage in public health? No. No. So is the CDC necessary and proper? No, it's illegal. Right. FDA, Food and Drug Administration? Legal. Illegal. Yeah, National Institute for Health, the, the NIAID, you know, or the, the National International Agency for Infectious Diseases that Fauci ran, you know, when he wasn't even a virologist, which is kind of fascinating. Same thing, right? It's not legal. It's not necessary or proper. So the terms necessary and proper. Well, yeah. let, me, let me let me ask you a general question. So as soon as Jesse comes up, we'll we'll change over. But uh, what? Do, how how do you read? Not interpret, because we don't interpret the Constitution. We read it. How do you read? The, 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 either the limits or the extent of necessary and proper laws? So, mm, these ones are like open to interpretation a lot of times because they're not there's, because they are placed in a way that I guess is vague I think is the word that I would use it's probably vague because the necessary a lot of people think these are things that are important like top priority like um mm-hmm have to have it. Like, those are the kind of things that you think of with necessary, where some people might think um, some things are needed while other people know that they're not. Well, the and difference so between necessary, necessary and desirable, right? Be, something, could be, something could be necessary, but uh, it could be desirable, but it's not necessary. So there's a, there's a real dividing line, isn't there? Yeah. Yeah, and a lot of that can play on, like, emotions, too. Okay. So... Can we legislate by emotion? No, but okay. we do. Oh. Can you think of an example? I can right away. We talked about it earlier in the show. Yeah, I mean, um, one of the tactics used um, in legislation that we were learning about from one of the speakers, and it's mm-hmm. actually used like on the floor as well, is you know using stories and instances to pass legislation. Like there was one <clears throat> girl who did one that would ban assisted suicide by okay. medical professionals, mm-hmm. and it passed almost unanimously, except like one or two people who I think just wanted to 
not let it be unanimous or something. I don't know. That kind of made everybody upset. We were ready to cheer, and then there was, like, one or two that voted no, and then we were all upset at those one or two people. But um, Well, it's an interesting thing. How about the term? Uh, you know, I, I love language. So where did the term assisted suicide? You know, suicide is an individual well, actually, that makes your own sense. life. It's helping kill somebody. Helping it's helping somebody kill themselves. Somebody kill themselves, which is murder. Right. Yeah. So it's murder. If but you, with if the you bill, help somebody she die... She was telling us... Right, go ahead. No, I'm curious. With the bill, she was telling a story, you know, about how her grandmother died from this when she shouldn't have um, because she, everybody knew that she didn't actually want to die. But they had given her uh, depression and, like, suicidal um, medicines that made her depressed and suicidal because before she'd gone through this big thing with cancer and like almost died and everything and then she got healed and then she went back for like an eye thing and whenever that did it was like three days later whenever she was bedridden and couldn't move and they put her on all this medicine and it changed her mindset and everything because of the medicine that they'd given her where she could have um, lived longer if they hadn't have done this and can, because the medicine put her in a state of mind where she wanted to die. And so they killed her, even though it was more just like a temporary thing for her. So, yeah, it was um, it was like an emotional story that she was telling to get people to like understand. And then somebody came up to testify for the bill and was talking about with his, um, I don't know if it was his mother or grandmother, I think it was his grandmother too, where the, the same kind of thing had happened to him. And so there's like a lot of emotion that was drawn into the passing of this bill kind of showing, hey, this is wrong, this has happened. And that happens a lot, especially I think it's been used with this um, the gender bathroom thing, which is a huge cultural problem that a lot of people are talking about right now, um, is this, and they're doing a lot of playing on emotions to try and pass things or do things so, on both sides as well. But I have to say our side is so much more logical, and we are the right side. But <laughs> No, I, yeah, I think you're absolutely right. But, but the, it's just it's one of those terms, assisted suicide. It just bothers me. You know, in other words, what it is is medically expedited death. I mean, if they called it that, at least they'd be honest. I'm not saying, you know, I'm, uh, I have my own value judgment about it because I think uh, uh, I always remember there was a, and here's Josie, there was a 60 Minutes show years and years ago, and they were talking about this. You know, Sarah Palin used to talk about the death panels, but even before that, this is back in the 80s. And there's a woman who said the problem with the right to die is that it becomes the duty to die. In other words, there's pressure on you that uh, not only should you, know, you should go, you know, it's like you, you've done your time. You're gonna, it's going to cost you too much. I mean, there was a famous uh, a clip of Obama and a woman asked her, uh, she says, look, my mother was like 104 at the time. She says, my mother just got a pacemaker. She's got several good years left. Yeah, yeah. You know, why shouldn't she have, you know, surgery, life-saving things, have her pacemaker? You know, and, and Obama said, well, maybe just a, a pain pill would have been just as good. You know, in other words, at you know, she's reached the end of her life. Why bother? And this is the difference between group think and individual think. So in individuals, all life is precious, right? You know, individual life, you know, it's not us to decide when, when our life is over. It's God's decision. When it's over, we get to write the chapters, not the ending. That's how I explain it. Um, and so, but, this, and, but in Canada, if you want to take a look at the case study right now in Canada, there's a huge push for early death. Why? Because people cost money. So what they want to do is kill people before they cost the socialist system too much money. So they're actually supporting the socialist system by dying early, by not, you know, treating the last you know, few years of life. But there's a lot of people that have a lot of really productive, you know, if you could get five more years, yeah, the cost of money, it costs some money. 
I don't care. So many stupid things we spend money on, like Ukraine, uh, you know, all these different wars and things like that. So why not do it? But there's a decision of the emotional versus the legal. What is the legal decision? Is the government legally obligated to either end people's lives early to save money or extend lives, um, you know, as long as, as, as possible against maybe the wishes of the person in general? You got some moral, ethical, and emotional questions right there. So that's my last question. Then I'll get to Josie. It's a lot to it. Yeah, I think a lot of times people um, might mistake empathy for morality because morality is the right thing. And sometimes emotions can get in the way of that because you are clouded by your judgment. And that's Mm -hmm. a tactic that is widely used, and it is a really effective tactic, and it makes Mm -hmm. for a lot of bad decisions. Yeah, the old expression, the road to hell is paved with good intentions. But we're trying to do the right thing. If we just get rid of guns, everything's going to be fine. No, you're going to have roving gangs in the street and you're going to have government assassins. I mean, you know know what's going to happen. We've seen it throughout history. But the emotions, uh, that's one of the biggest problems. You've got to take the emotions out. The the thing I was thinking about earlier was Ukraine. We were talking about an emotional debate. We've got to do something. We've got to save those people. You know, and, and they're actually killing people by trying to save them. I mean, if the war had never started, that would have saved people. And that would have been the logical thing to do. And then the emotional thing, like, oh, we've got to beat Russia. We're going to show them how tough we are. That's the emotional argument. The emotional argument's got 300,000 people killed. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, hey, this is the way I see it. All right. Let's get, uh, let's get your, your sign-off conclusion, any events coming up, things like that, and then we'll get to uh, Josie. Thank you again. Good to have you back. Missed you last week. Yeah. Um, this is Brianna Cannon with Government Inquiry on Action Radio. Goodbye. All right. All right. She started off as a poor child in Nicaragua, living under communism. And now she is a prosperous small businesswoman with a great family, living the dream as an American citizen. Josie Cosby knows all about both worlds, communism and freedom. She knows where your dreams can come alive and where they can die very quickly. And so her report is as much from experience as knowledge, and her passion and crusade are very real. With connections all over Central and South America, Josie brings you the world south of the U.S. border from personal experience, living, not just reporting, what's happening. And now, the Latina Report with Josie Coffey. Guten Tag. Konnichiwa, Josie-san. Konnichiwa. Josie-san. Konnichiwa. Konnichiwa. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Konnichiwa. Hello. Uh, yeah, it's Japanese. Uh, okay. Chinese would be Ni hao. And what are some of the other ones here? I got to oh, learn how to say good morning in, in Polish. Korea, oh, in Korea, you said Anyong. Like Anyong. 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 Okay, I'll remember that. Like onion. <laughs> That's a good way to remember it. All right. Uh, <laughs> that's kind of funny. Yeah, we gotta learn. We gotta get more languages out there. Zdravstvo, which is hello in Russian, the formal form. I like languages. Yeah. Languages are very cool. I, well, I, I'm, you know, if I had, I'm in Pensacola this morning, so uh-huh. so I was running up a little late. I was t- taking care of the chickens. Man, they're a lot of work. They're growing quickly. Those 48 little chickens, you know. You got 48 chickens. Yeah. You got a farm. <laughs> I got 48 chickens. Are they gonna go in my freezer in another five months? Okay. Yeah. I might buy one. Yeah. 
It's not. So, I do impressions, including chickens. It's all part of the. It's all part of the the, the shtick. Chicken, <laughs> chicken little chickens. Yeah, I can do cats too. Wow. I can do. I can do fighting cats. Wow. Sorry. Okay. <laughs> man of many talents. <laughs> Marco's man, in the Netherlands. Man, going, man. Yeah, 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 yeah. Hey, we got great news. We got uh, yep. Christina Bob tomorrow. We got Trump's uh, attorney and uh, advisor for uh, a brief visit once again. Talk about the uh, oh, insurrection. Talk about uh, her book. Stop the, uh, her book on stealing the election uh, and the latest yeah. indictments. And uh, so, if you have a question, let me know. I'll see if I can uh, pass it along. Yeah. Yeah, but uh, it's it's all a show. It's okay for now. I mean, what's the show? Main thing is just tr- the whole thing happening with Trump and all that. It's just mm-hmm. it's happening to open the eyes of the American people. But there's a lot of people that are still blind and don't believe a lot. So you know. Yeah. So what is it? What is it about Donald Trump? You think that's so um, infuriates the left to take these really just obscene means to to throw him in jail. You know, they don't want to just, you know, run against him. They don't want to just defeat him in the election. They want him, you know, I mean, I'm sure a lot of them would want him killed. You know, they're that sick. But, but, but you know, they would be happy if, if he was in jail and silent, the like reason, in solitary confinement. The reason, and the reason uh-huh. is because Donald Trump, Mike Flynn, they know exactly where all the bodies are buried. So they got all the evidence. They got it all. That's what Donald Trump said and his son when we were at the event. They got it all. And is they it, know that the game is over. It's just a matter of time, and everything so, will be released. But. So then, okay. So so then, what happens? Um, what I'm thinking about is that these people they they basically have a lifestyle. They have a they have a status. They have a privileged position. They're government employees. They can do what they want. They're pretty much immune. They've got their jobs. Um, and Trump represents you know something that might change and take away all the privileges they're not supposed to have because they're not supposed to have those privileges. Yeah. That's not why. You get, that's not what, what uh, you know. Government service is all about. You're actually a public servant. You serve the people. You're not there to to create your own kingdom. And I think that's part of the problem. I'm just wondering how far this goes. What are these people well, willing to do? Ha- their wealth what's and privilege. What's going to happen is. What's going to happen is. They're going to be begging to be in prison, because let me tell you, when everything gets released about it, all of it that I've been talking every week about it. Oh, I know. <laughs> the people are gonna the the yeah. people are gonna come after them. They will. We don't need the the military or Trump or anybody like that. They don't have to come after these criminals. The people are gonna be enraged when everything. Well, what is, what does that look what like? Doing. What does that look like in wait, the United wait. States? Yeah. Okay. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Well. well what they're doing to two-year-old little kids being raped 10, 10 to 15 times a day. And wow. all the videos that the New York police has, i seen one of them, uh, that they were vomiting. When everything gets released of all the lies about everything, these people are not going to have a place to hide in the earth, literally. They will not. They will not. But anyway. That's a different story. So I want to okay. get to my story from El Salvador, but if you have any mm. questions about that. No, 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 you know. no. Let's, let's start with that. Let's go to El Salvador. We always come back to you. Stuff. I, and, uh, I just and always have things on my mind. They're desperate, they're desperate for the flash drive that Putin gave Donald Trump inside the uh, uh, soccer ball that, with a lot of information that Trump needed. What? I haven't so heard about desperate. this. 
Oh, this is old. Yeah. Okay, yeah. fine. Donald Trump has a special flash drive, and they were telling us about when we were in Missouri. Uh, that they're desperate. That's why they came and raided Mar Largo. So they want to get their hands on that. But there's already a lot of copies of that. Like uh, Matt Gates says, I got a copy right here of all the evidence of the computer of Hunter Biden, the criminal. So well, yeah, Hunter Biden's laptops in the in the congressional record. It's actually the official government record yeah. now. The, 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 so that's all that's all done. That was one of the smartest things he did. I mean, they can delete whatever they want and wipe anything. But guess uh-huh. what? Rudy, Rudy Giuliani gave the evidence way back. They got it all. Okay, good. And, well, that's uh, encouraging. And Len yeah. Wood has all, and I mean all, the evidence of what they're doing to little innocent little kids, yeah, including Oprah and all these people. It is disgusting. A lot of rape been going on in the White House, at the Capitol. Just, it, it's just sick, sick. People are not going to believe it, so you have to show it to them in order for them to believe it. But anyway, same thing with the Ukraine. We're going to show it to them. Okay. Um, I want to go to El Salvador this morning. Presidente Najib Bukele, right? Mm-hmm. He has over 8,000 security personnel surrounding, like, the farm areas and all that because uh, it looks like a lot of the MS-13 are still hiding in a lot of the... Uh, farmland area so they're they're in a hunt let me tell you they're cracking them down uh all these gangs uh he's going to put them away and um right now where does ms-13 have a country that they're based in where where, do you know where they were created california california what Mm -hmm. really yeah this is an american terrorist group american gang Oh, oh yeah my my cousin is one of the MS-13. He was telling me how they torture, how it's like with pleasure. He was telling, I was like, I don't want you to know where I live. You know, he right. lives in Nicaragua telling all the stories to us. But um, uh, it started in California, and then uh, it was going to El Salvador, Guatemala, Honduras. Very heavy. There was a little bit in Nicaragua. Uh, when I used to travel back and forth, I, I hear about the group of Mara. They started with the group of Mara, and then they changed the name to MS-13. Uh, Do you know what MS stands for? People. Do you know what MS stands for? Do you? I don't know. I guess I no, have I don't to either. look it up. Okay. <laughs> I don't know. We'll I get murdered 13, and you know the 13 number is bad, but I don't know. I, have, I can find out. Um, so, yeah. So they've been going back and forth to California, to Honduras, Guatemala, Salvador, you know, not as much in Mexico at the time, but now they are in Mexico. But I think right now uh, the Muslim uh, terrorists are are taking over a lot of places in, um, in Honduras right now and uh, Mexico. Like they were taking a lot of businesses in Mexico, like blackmailing people, blackmailing a lot of the, uh, a lot of the uh, um, hotels. Uh, hold on, I have to go in the back because our customers arrive and they think we're open. <laughs> we're not open. <laughs> so yeah, we're on the air. So, okay. so you cannot really go to Acapulco right now, or any places like that because the cartels. Together with the uh, with the uh, MS-13 and the Muslims, they're like terrorizing 
owners of hotels, especially in Acapulco, Acapulco is not the same anymore. Uh, the only safe area to go right now is Consumel. Even Cancun is so corrupt, the hotels. They'll cut really? your head off. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So what's it doing to the cruise industry? Uh, we should talk to Shelby about that. I'm sure that's way down the, uh, for, me- the, for Mexico. The uh, State Department, yeah. The State Department was warning a lot of Americans uh, because I called. I said, is it safe to go to Mexico? Because I was going to go about four years ago on a mission trip. And they said, well, your life will be on the line and we're not coming to rescue you. That's what they told <laughs> me. Oh, okay, yeah. that's fair enough. Right. Oh, yeah. So I've got um, because uh, gonna, Go ahead. Go ahead. Well, I got a, I, got I got a BBC article on, on uh, MS-13. It says it was started in Los Angeles, so you're right. Uh, and yeah. then it went to El Salvador. But uh, uh, MS stands for Mara Salvatrucha, S-A-L-V-A-T-R-U-C-H-A. Yeah, Grupo Mara, you know. Yeah, that's what I was saying at the beginning, Grupo Mara. But now they want to be called MS-13 in America. What's, so what's Mara, Mara? The Grupo Mara. What's Mara mean? I don't know. It's one of the most violent uh, gangs in Central America. Because you don't see a lot of this in uh, South America, Chile, Argentina, Uruguay, Peru. Uh, you see this in the low, more poor countries uh, than South America, South America. So go ahead and continue reading the, the thing. Oh, okay. Well, it, it says uh, latest. Uh, says the gang began in the barrios of Los Angeles uh, in the 1980s, formed by immigrants who had fled El Salvador's long and brutal civil war. See, we, we haven't talked about the civil war there. I'm kind of curious. Says other members came from Honduras, mm-hmm. Guatemala, and Mexico. Or Mexico. I'm going to mm-hmm. work on my accent, so we'll, we'll, we'll try here. Mexico. MS stands Mexico. <laughs> Ma- <laughs> Thank you. MS stands for Mara Salvatrucha said to be a combination of Mara, meaning gang, Salva for Salvador, mm-hmm. and Trucha, which translates roughly into street smarts. So that would be, mm-hmm. uh, I guess that would be, yeah, there we go. 13 represents the position M in the alphabet, which I guess is Mara. MS-13 mm-hmm. established a reputation for extreme violence and for killing with machetes, machetes. That's pretty brutal. Mm-hmm. Uh, it took root in neighborhoods dominated by Mexican gangs and later expanded to other parts of the country. So here's a question. Uh, the Mexican gangs and, and MS-13, uh, being a El Salvador gang, do they are they gang fighting? Are they working together? Are they what's going on? Uh, they're working together, and some of the police is involved too, because they're so afraid of MS-13 and the cartels. And now, like I said, a lot of the Muslim terrorists move, like the ISIS. A lot of the okay. ISIS are in Honduras, in Mexico. Oh yeah, they're taking over businesses, hotels. I mean, I was invited huh. to go to a wedding. Uh, to one of the, I don't know if it's Acapulco, I forgot, I had to look at the invitation, to Mexico mm-hmm. in November, I said, oh, no, no, mm-hmm. no, no, thank you, I'm not going, no, yeah. I really yeah. miss that wedding, I don't know why yeah. young people want to go get married in Mexico or Costa Rica, or, just get married in your own town, leave the money here, why you want to take all the money over there, it is so stupid, one of my girlfriends, still at your own risk, yeah. Yeah. Honeymoon is a different story, but people cannot afford to be traveling in hotel. And not only that, but right now it's dangerous to be in Mexico. I do not, I do not recommend people to travel to Mexico. No, they're hmm. chopping you bye-bye. Uh, Consumel is the safest because it's like a small island. It's being well, well controlled by the police and security. And so it's very safe, Consumel. Well, that's, that's what I remember. the only place that I would go. 
Yeah, last time I took a cruise, and it's been it's been many years, but I still remember two Mexican guards, and it was Cozumel, uh, with fully automatic rifles. I mean, they had machine guns and and lots yeah. of ammo. Oh, you know, yeah. And they were right there at the port. And this is a well-protected port. It's like a little island. So I remember also Mexico. Mexico protects the tourist areas. When I was in California, and I took my daughter to uh, Puerto Vallarta, Mazatlan, and Cabo San Lucas. I mean, you knew that. I mean, the Mexican uh-huh. police were everywhere. Nobody was messing with the tourists. Oh, yeah. so it's too much money. You know, so I yeah. felt perfectly safe taking my daughter there. I wouldn't take her to in the middle of Mexico. We, we wouldn't go on like a like a like an Earth environmental excursion. You know, yeah. gonna, although apparently there's some valley there that's spectacular, some Copper Valley, whatever it's called, that looks like the and Grand you know, Canyon. Uh huh. And you know, Greg, I don't know if uh, if the crew lines are uh, responsible uh, for people's American people's lives. Because mm-hmm. when you go on a cruise, they have all these different events or different activities that you can do in the country, right? Mm-hmm. But yeah. what's been happening in some of these cruises, when you arrive to Acapulco or, or, or what's the other, Puerto Vallarta or what are the other ports, and then right. you go do your own little touring and all that, and I think you're responsible yourself in case yes, anything happens. So what's been happening is, the criminals, uh, uh, MS-13s and cartels, are waiting for the Americans to get in those buses and all that, and then they come with machine guns and they they try to take all your money and take everything. Yeah, mm-hmm. I have had friends that they're they're lucky to be alive. Let me tell. Oh yeah, you're on your own uh, as far as that goes. Now, what yeah. the cruise companies do is they have tour companies. Mm-hmm. You know, remember when Alan used to call the show, uh, Alan Dawson from from uh, Belize. Or maybe maybe you didn't hear him. He was on Fridays usually. So Alan used to call in you know, back when he was, uh, I think it was like COVID, so the tourist industry was shut down. Yeah, I he's a tour he, He's a tour guide in Belize. And so, but he's recognized, he's, uh, you know, authorized by, by the, 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 the country of Belize to be a tour guide. The cruise companies know him, he's certified with them. So he's a recognized tour guide. And so, oh. you know, that, uh, so his tour is offered, you can book it on the cruise. But a lot of times what people do is they go off and they just hire a cab or hire a, you know, a, a tour thing there that's not affiliated with the cruise. Well, now you're taking a chance because you don't know. You don't know if it's uh, 13 or you don't know who it is. You know, and in the old days, you know, 20, 30, 40 years ago, it was no big deal. Um, but nowadays it's a whole different thing. And so you don't know uh, if you don't get a recognized uh, tour from, from the cruise company itself. So it's always best to book the tour because the cruise companies know which companies they want to deal with. They're not going to deal with companies that are yeah. robbing their guests. <laughs> you know, so yeah. It's, yeah. it's just kind of smart to take the, it's going to cost you a little more, but how much is your life worth? I'd rather go on a, on a recognized exactly. tour. Anyway. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So That's it's interesting a, though. It's Mexico, Mexico is not like it used to be, you know, way back. No way. And, yeah. and the police is so afraid of the cartels and the uh, mm-hmm. 13 and uh, the coyotes don't do anything because they they don't really have a lot. Yeah. But the coyotes are the uh, the puppets. The puppets that do all the hard work for the cartels and for the MS-13, the coyotes, bringing people and all that. So, uh, yeah. But anyway, so going back to El Salvador, uh-huh. uh, 2% of the El Salvador adult population is in prison, 2%. Uh, that's what wow. we're saying. Yeah. Well, if it breaks and the, the, mo- if it breaks the, the murder- gang, it's, it's worth it, yeah. Yeah, the murder rate is very low right now. And um, I believe there's about 70,000 
of the MS-13 now in prison. Yeah. And they do not have computers. They do not have phones. Because what happens is um, in 2019, uh, when this new president came, uh, Bukele, uh, it was so corrupt in the prisons. Uh, the gangs, the MS-13 gangs uh, in prison, they were ruling from the prison because they had, they had, they were able to get computer and phones. So they were oh, yeah. uh, telling other gangers, other gangs, what to do, how to do it, who to go murder, what to do. So mm-hmm. yeah, but now this guy is so good that he's not giving them no access to phone, no access to nothing, nothing. And some of the family members, they have to bring, they have to bring them, uh, if they want to eat snack or food or anything that is not the food that they give there, uh, they have to bring it in clothing to the family members. But 70000 is pretty good, let me tell you. That's a lot of criminals off the street. Well, but what's the, the population? What's the population of El Salvador? So it's only, what, two or three million people? It's not a big country. It's growing nice now. But okay. right now, since 70,000 uh, gangs are in prison, uh, it's one of the, they, they, they're in the largest prison of the world, literally. There's no other prison like this one that they built. How are they affording uh, it? I think he, this got to cost well, El Salvador a lot of money. Yeah. He borrowed $109 million uh, to literally create this humongous prison to keep Hmm. these people in. And he's putting them to work, let me tell you. They're working like a horse. So the United Nations Human Rights, the Hmm. U.S. State Department, uh, international media, and other countries are accusing this president, he's a dictator. That is inhumane what he. But you know, it's sad because these people were murdering innocent people. And where are all these people? Where's the United Nations? Where's the State Department saying you guys are worse than an animal? Like Donald Trump said, and uh, and Donald Trump was 100% correct when he said the MS-13 are a bunch of animals. I don't think even animals are that bad compared to them. Well, animals don't do it with intent. <laughs> you know, animals are, you know, yeah, they, they, yeah, they hunt yeah. for food. It's, they, they're not, you know, yeah. uh, there are very few vindictive animals that, that kill for... They're not coming after you to murder you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You're right. are the exception, yeah. you know, because they're, they're, they're too intelligent. Uh, it takes intelligence to be vindictive. It's kind of interesting. Um, but this is fascinating to me. And we've, I think we, I don't know if we've talked about this before, but criminals play a very important part in a, in a dictatorship because they drive people, they make people afraid and make them run to government. Mm-hmm. And the government says, okay, we'll protect you, but you've got to give up your rights. Mm-hmm. And this is always, this is always the deal. Yeah. Look at Chicago. Well, there's so many gangs in Chicago. Well, okay, so what, what are we going to do? Let's run, the, you know, the government's supposed to protect us. And what does the government say? Well, turn your guns, you know, gun control. We'll protect you, but you've got to give up your guns. And, of course, what happens is they mm-hmm. don't get protected and they've given up their guns. So El Salvador comes along and, and, and shows that you don't have to use that model, that you can imprison yes, your sir. criminals and that your streets will actually be safe. See, that goes against the model. So they, they want to believe that only mm-hmm. government can make uh, people safe, and it, but, but not by imprisoning criminals, but by understanding and defunding the police and all this other nonsense. But that's just, but government dictatorships use criminals 
to enforce um, the dictatorship mm-hmm. and control people. So, the, so that so that it makes sense. I was just thinking Amnesty International, you know, the UN. Of course, they're against what El Salvador is doing. They're calling it cruel, mm-hmm. unusual. They're locking up millions of people. How dare they? Whatever it is, however many. How dare they do that? That's that's you know inhuman. They're the, you know, but what's happening is the murder rate. Look at the murder rate. The fact that the murder rate is probably the lowest yeah. it's ever been. Uh, that's the evidence that this is working. So you don't have to listen to the mm-hmm. U.S. It is a working. Bunch of, bunch of nonsense. Now, are they able to it attract uh, foreign investment? See, that's the big thing. They need money. They yes, need money to build a, industries. There's a lot of people. Okay. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of people buying land, and everything is going up so quickly in El Salvador because a lot mm-hmm. of people are coming to buy property to build apartments and yeah mm-hmm. because it's very safe before people were so afraid of every little move you made because right. the the ms13 were in control of everyone they were kidnapped and they were threatening your life they would take your kids so whatever they were in control the police were help, hopeless helpless right. excuse me. they they didn't they didn't know what to do so yeah. but now since this guy is doing such a good job one of the best in the world right now, actually. And uh, everybody's criticizing. They're calling him a dictator. So there's a lot of MS-13 family members in the street right now going out in, like, small groups with big signs that says, stop this dictator now. Hmm. <laughs> I mean, yeah, right. People are upset when they see those signs and they come and rip them from their hands. <laughs> well, isn't it interesting know? that... Uh, <laughs> Anybody the left calls a dictator is usually someone that believes in individual rights, freedom, uh, and keeping the streets safe. Donald Trump, president of El Salvador. Anybody that they call a, a freedom fighter or, or someone that, that won the election fairly and by the will of the people is the dictator. You know, Joe Biden, yeah. president of Venezuela, you know, president of Brazil, you know, all of Mexico, all these folks that they're calling, you know, the freedom fighters and the heroes are the dictators. All the people are calling these dictators. That's all propaganda. I, yeah. I'm still surprised Trump. Now, what's interesting is we had uh, Anthony Blinken, our communist secretary of state, uh, was in El Salvador mm-hmm. talking to their. Do you know anything about that? I, I heard he was there. I don't know what they actually no. talked about. But he's probably, well, he's such an I idiot anyway. He's probably, I don't think he'll do too much damage. And I think El Salvador is smarter than that. They should be dealing with Trump. Yeah. And Trump should be dealing with them. Well, and our, we truly know, believe. We truly believe that Trump is running the show in El Salvador. The same way he put away all the MS, the ISIS, he's doing the same thing with MS-13. Oh, yeah. This guy alone could not do this. No way. No way. He, because he would have been dead already. You know how much power the cartels have? MS-13 well, that, in those countries? Yeah. I mean, oh, they yeah. kill judges. They kill police. Well, here's the thing. Oh, yeah. this, is why, this is why I'm so worried about foreign national police and illegal alien police. This is why I did that whole show on, mm-hmm. uh, on Illinois being such idiots, I think it was last week, uh, uh, for, for, doing, for doing this. And I forgot who I was, I was arguing with somebody about this. Oh, I had actually had my argument mm-hmm. today with the first liberal that's called the show in quite a while. Interesting discussion. Yeah. Um, a lot of the same things, you know, a lot of restating what I said, you know, incorrectly and then and arguing against what I didn't say. I got really frustrated with that. Um, but it's, it's a lot of the same arguments, it's same old stuff. But uh, you, you can't yeah. have foreign police. You can't have illegal aliens. You can't have criminals, you know, in a position to enforce our laws. They can't swear an oath to the Constitution because really? they're not part of the Constitution. I mean, 
Yeah, I mean, uh, you would think it's, this it's would like be common voting. sense. Why should why should illegals come and vote? This is my country, not your country. You're here illegally. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's the same thing. Why yeah. should they have rights to to be a police? I mean, it, well, they don't. It, it is out of control. <laughs> It's absurd. Why would you put that'd be like making, uh, you know, the prisoners in a jail, make make them the guards and and put the guards in in, in the jail cells. I mean, that's that's pretty much is reversing. Um, But this is that's how left works. Anyway, it's it's all quite absurd. Um, Yeah. yeah, Okay. But um, so anyway, so the murder rate is so low in El Salvador. People are very, very pleased uh, with what's happening. Can you get cruises huh? there? Is tourism it, is, it tourism? is going, yeah. Okay, all right. They're so the money is. beautiful mall. Mm-hmm. One of the girls that I was talking to, she said, man, she said she went for a vacation in May. Man, she said the malls, you don't even, they're like in New York City, like beautiful malls. That you can so this is interesting everything. because I'm hearing stories that our malls, are the the highest value of our shopping malls was 2016, right before uh, COVID hit 2019. So 2016 was the highlight for malls. But then with COVID, mm-hmm. uh, mail order took over, and everybody's buying stuff on, on Amazon. I've I've used mail order because it, you know, I don't want to go to five stores to try and one thing. I just don't have the time. Uh, so mail order mm-hmm. works in that sense. But I can mail order from my favorite store. I don't have to do it from Amazon because uh, the stores, mm-hmm. especially musical stuff, I can go to direct to Guitar Center or Musicians Friend or any of those places. Um, so that that's a good way to do things, also. But uh, but malls are not doing well because there's so much mail order. So why would El Salvador be building malls? Be booming. Time? They're booming. Yeah, why are they booming mm-hmm. there? And here they're closing down, and they're being valued at like half or less of their original value. Yeah, because lo- look at all the looting that is going on in New York. Uh, okay. There was a. There, I don't know if it was New York now. Uh, there was a, a black man that came with a with a big uh, garbage can, like one of those huge oh, yeah. ones. We, I posted that video. Did you see that? <laughs> I did. Yeah. yeah. Yep. I was like, yeah, that kid. That kid needed a spanking that he didn't get when he was a child, obviously. So now well, the, they're trying to yeah. investigate, and they're probably going to put in prison the Muslim people that were beating the heck out of this guy, and he deserved it. Well, see, now that's, oh, nothing's going to happen to me because the police not going to do nothing. I can take everything I want. And he's filling that bucket full of stuff at this uh, convenience store. No way. Right. You come to my store, <laughs> little Johnny's waiting for you. Oh, yeah. See, now this is fascinating. No, 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 this, no. Is, this is a great thing to talk about because if you look at the video. I work too hard. Uh, yeah, exactly. But uh, I, I know what you do. Oh, Marco just says he just learned about this video. Yeah, it was uh, originally I found it on a friend's post, and it, w- it had sensitive content. So Facebook had blacked it out originally. So I click on this, and of I see – and actually, they're not Muslim. They're Sikh. I think that's a Sikh turban. And so that's S-I-K-H. Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. So they're yeah. Sikhs, right? Mm-hmm. So Sikhs are, are cool people. Yeah. And they're tough, right? They don't put up with a lot of BS. They're like the Koreans that, uh, <laughs> you know, were on the rooftops during the Rodney they King rock. They protect their goodies. Are you kidding me? Yeah, of course they do, right? So anyway, so but what's interesting about it is they're Sikhs, first of all. Secondly, they're beating up a black guy, so that's why they had sensitive content. If they're beating up a white guy, it would have been okay for Facebook, right? They wouldn't care. Exactly. Um, but but how many white guys have you seen looting stores? You don't. It's black people who are looting the stores. No. And, I, and I'm not being racist. I'm just show, telling you what's on the video. But it's so, true. so what's interesting, the, so Facebook didn't want to see a black guy looting, being beaten up. Uh, first of all, it's by Sikhs as opposed to white people. If it was white guys beating them up, 
that would have been all over the place. It was a racist attack, but you can't he say deserved, that with the Sikhs. He deserved, he deserved what he got, and he well, should have got he did, more. That's the other point, is that Americans are so fed up. They're like, yeah. So if they do try and prosecute yeah. them, which I thought, you know, then the first thing that's going to happen is, is going to be a, a social media revolution. We're all going to say, hey, leave them the hell alone. What's wrong with you people? And so Americans yeah, have had enough. Yeah, that's what they're saying. Yeah, but there's a lot of mm-hmm. politics to so that video. Ameri- yeah, go ahead. The American people have to take the law in their own hand because obviously Biden or whoever's running this country, which is Obama, the criminal, which he probably murdered his, uh, his chef, his fingers were cut and everything, and a black and blue eye, they're saying. But anyway, uh, this guy knew a lot. But what happens is the American people have to take control of their businesses. We have to take control of the border. Everybody should be rising up to shut this border up because obviously the idiot from Texas is not doing anything either, you know. He had all this chance to send his troop there. And no, they're not doing anything. So there's a lot yeah, was, of uh, loser Republicans. I'm sorry. A lot. Well, that's, no, 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 don't be sorry. No, because I, I, I as soon as I get a thought, it just comes out of my head. I can't help it. But so, uh, you know, it would be interesting if the governor of Texas said that made the National Guard policy, uh, any illegal alien crossing at a non-border checkpoint will be shot. You know, that's an extreme policy. But if you made that policy, it would greatly reduce the number of people trying to cross the border. Now, whether they actually do that, that's an interesting question. But what if what if Governor Abbott said uh, or Governor Penglis in the great state of Texas <laughs> said, OK, here's the deal. All right. I got my National Guard on the border. Anybody tries to cross the border, you know, uh, who's an adult <laughs> will be shot. Don't do it. Go to the checkpoints. And of course, now they're letting them in the checkpoints like crazy, too. Or anybody who comes into the state illegally at the border is going to be put on a bus and taken to Washington, D.C. No question asked. We're not even going to let you in the state. Uh, they could do that. There's yeah. some things they could do that they don't do. Like I was saying, they should charter trains. Don't, don't charter buses. Train loads. You know, put 10 trains a day mm-hmm. of illegals. You know, I was just seeing a story that in Washington, D.C., you know, the buildings are like 15% occup- occupancy because all the government employees are staying home. Is it great? Sell the building. Fill them full of illegals. Mm-hmm. Put them all in Washington. Mm-hmm. They got room. And all these office buildings that we're paying yeah. for, you know. So there's a lot of things that can be done that aren't being done. You know, and DeSantis sending 30 people to Martha's Vineyard? No, you should be sending 3,000 a day to Martha's Vineyard. You know, 30, these people aren't, 30 aren't to 50 you know. people is nothing. Yeah, yeah you should nothing. send a couple thousands at a time. Yeah, train loads. Train loads. Send if you got 15 Obama's million people. Mansion, yeah. He got the room. Yeah, I was sent to, no, I was to say Martha's Vineyard. If you, if you had train loads being dumped in Martha's Vineyard, you know, at the ferry boat, saying, so here, you know, time to go. Or Martha's Vineyard Airport, you know, fly in, fly in big, you know, Texas National Guard transports filled with illegal aliens. Just dump them out in the airports. Okay, you're out of here. Take off again, and then uh, off you go. Yeah, I mean, there are ways to do but this. You know, people Greg, have no courage. Uh-huh. Yeah. But yeah. you know, Greg, it, uh-huh. it only takes one or two people. If they get shot coming in illegally, the word gets uh-huh. around. Hey, you'll be shot if you try to cross through the border, yeah. you know? Yeah. Um, well, back, back in the old would you days, that policy? Back in the old. Let, let's, mm-hmm. let's, let's, would you support a, sh- a policy of uh, if illegal aliens cross, try to cross the border at non-checkpoint places? Would you support uh, a policy well, of shooting? Well, you shoot them in the leg. You don't want to kill them. Shoot <laughs> okay. Them in the leg and that right. Um, back in the old days, uh huh. If you stole something, this is Bible time, uh, biblical time, I should say. 
Okay. Uh, if you stole something, in some of the countries, we'll cut your finger off. So if you have mm. one finger missing, you were a thief, and everybody knew about it. So right. they stopped that, you know? Yeah, because so, yep. that's, that's barbaric. That's cruel and unusual. Yeah. Ooh, now there's an interesting thing. Lashes. What happened in the past? Lashes. See, that would deter people. So, so I, you know, I don't believe in, in, in shooting people. I'm just using it as a policy example. You know, would, I know, would I that know. would that stop? Well, it's an interesting thought. How about 40 lashes? Okay, you're caught in Texas. You get 40 lashes and get transferred to Washington. It's an interesting mm-hmm. thought. What would the government do? You know, what extreme measure can we have? You know, what if we had a, a reservation? So any, any illegal alien caught in Texas goes on to a, an illegal alien reservation right in the middle of the state, some big desert. You got to grow your own food. Put them all together in one place. What's that? I would like to see forty lashes on Obama, Hillary, Biden. I don't know if he can handle forty. He sold. Mm-hmm. Well, see, <laughs> the, the old folk, now that's a, that's a different criminal. thing. Those people. Fauci, so let, let's Fauci make the punishment fit the crime. Lashes. Let's make the punishment yeah. fit the crime. I would seize all their assets. Uh, anybody yeah. that went to any family members, illegal money, take that. You know, as much as you can, um, public humiliation, put them on trial, put the cameras on, uh, put them before Congress, cameras on, ask them questions uh, until they answer. <laughs> you know, that's, that's the fun of physical crime. Whipping, no. Violence, no. Not with those people. You, you know, there, there are ways to, quick, yeah. Uh-huh. Let me tell you a quick story, which uh, it broke my heart when I heard it. In Miami, my pastor was saying years ago. Um, back in the old days, if you got caught stealing, they give you 40 lashes. So they caught this woman stealing, and the guards uh, came to the king and said, King, we found a woman stealing. And he goes, well, you know the rules, 40 lashes. So they went back, and they were going to tie her to the tree to start the 40 lashes. And the guard came back, he says, King, it's a woman. He said, you know the rules. It's your mom. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and the king goes, you know the rules, 40 lashes. So they tied her to the tree, and they were about to start whipping her. And the king came, and he says, I'll take the 40 lashes for my mom. So when I was a little girl, I was uh I was peeling a bunch of oranges in my lap, and my father came. He says, I want you to pick some of those white hairs in my head or, or something like that. And I went like that with my teeth, like, like oh, no, like that. And when mm-hmm. I did that, oh, boy, <laughs> he started beating me with a electrical wire that he had oh. wrapped in two. Mm-hmm. And uh, I tried to cover my, my butt like that when the whipping was coming, and he he ripped my little uh, fingernail, my little pinky, uh, and I started bleeding and bleeding. And then my mom came and hugged me, and my mom took the rest of the beating. And let me tell you, when I heard that story, my pastor was telling, I just ran out the door crying because I was picturing my mom taking the whip with an electrical wire that it was supposed to be for me. And wow. at the same token, Jesus did that for you and me. He took yeah. all the whipping uh, and all the way to the cross for all of us. And we don't see it like that a lot of times. And a lot of people uh, ignore it, mock Jesus. 
but he paid it in full for us, so we don't have to uh, pay. But that story touched my heart like you won't believe. It was like, wow. <laughs> yeah, so, that's, that's, you know, I, that's pretty amazing. Yeah. yeah, it is. It is an amazing story. Hmm. But uh, the, th- the thing is that uh, a lot of these illegals, uh, you know, the, the ones that come here, uh, they want to have a better life. They want to. They want to do all these things to better their life. You know, uh, but they. But here's. Them, you know what I mean. But the cold hard reality is, it doesn't matter what they want. The cold hard reality is that immigration is to make America better for Americans. That the only reason we have immigrants, that folks like you and I came here, is that we do more than. Americans, you know, Americans here. In other words, we do things that are going to make the country better. You bring in entrepreneurs, you bring in uh, interesting people, you bring in brilliant people, you bring in hardworking people, you bring in people based on merit. So the reason that all of us are here is because the U.S. government thought that we would make things better for Americans. So it doesn't matter that, that, you know, people in other countries want a better life. Everybody wants a better life. Bank robbers want a better life. But, But robbing banks isn't the way to get it. Drug dealers want a better life. But dealing drugs isn't the way to get it. So there's, uh, oh, Marco says it's National Cat Day. Well, thank you, Marco. I appreciate that. Um, but uh, this idea that, that we have to look at things in, you know, from the, uh, um, the foreigner's point of view or the illegal aliens' point yeah. of view, they don't have a point of view. The illegal aliens don't because yeah. they can't be here. So why would I consider you know, their life now in their own country? Would I like to help get them a better life? Absolutely. And the way to do it is what's happening in El Salvador, freedom. Freedom is the way to a better life. Removing yeah. corruption is the way to a better life. Improving your economy, lowering your taxes, getting rid of your, uh, your, your corrupt officials, getting rid of a bunch of stupid laws, you know, having free and fair elections, getting rid of voting machines. There are all kinds of ways to give yeah. people a better life that have nothing to do with taking our tax dollars and having people come to our country here. And so people don't understand but you that. Know, uh-huh. Everybody wants a better life, of course. You know, exactly. we all do. You know, no one wakes up and says, "I uh, want a worse but, life. Take my stuff." No. But we're not the piggy bank of the world either, because we work so mm-hmm. hard. And these criminals running our country, they've been doing whatever they want with our money. And the poor American people, all they do is work, 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 go home, rest a little bit, eat, pay bills, pay bills. And that's the life of an American. The American mm-hmm. people, they barely don't even have time for themselves at all because all they do is work. Look, I haven't taken a vacation at all this year because it took a whole year for me to find somebody to work for me. And the lady yeah. working for me, she wants to be in vacation. She was <laughs> in vacation three months after I hired her. She said, oh, I have to be in Miami for a week and all that. Now she's gone for two weeks. She's coming back Wednesday finally. And I'm like, I need help. And then there's another lady that came and applied, and she's got more issues than than, than a pregnant nun, actually. And oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> That's a lot of issues right there, yeah, now that I think about it. Did you just make that up? <laughs> no, it's all. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> she's got so many issues. She, go, she comes and applies, and she goes, uh, I only want to work a few hours here and there, and she's kind of like telling me what she wants because um, I'm fully uh, disabled and all that. Her hands are with 
carpal tunnel. And, I mean, she's a man. I said, are you going to be able to lift a box if you work here? I mean. Yeah, did you ask her why she wants the job? <laughs> that would be my first question. Why do you want this job? She just yeah. wants a little bit of hour, like a couple of days. But I said, I need a manager. I need a full-time manager so I can take off, go on my missions, go to Cuba, go back to the Ukraine and see, see a lot of the stuff going on. So, yeah. by the yeah. way, my pastor died uh, on the 4th. So they did oh. have the funeral uh, yesterday. Oh, no. Oh yeah, yeah. Wow. Yeah. He he uh he had. He got all the vaccines and boosters, of, uh, right? Do the vaccines and oh, boosters? Oh yeah, of course. Okay, right. We told him not to. Yeah. 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 He How old had. They, I think it was. Let me see. Maybe sixty-seven. Claimed that he had lymph lymphoma. Yeah, that's a cancer. So, so cancers and heart disease know, are, yeah. are you know are, are advanced by the the, the vaccine. So yeah, by, by the, the boosters. Oh yeah, yep. full force. Because mm-hmm. his daughter was upset. She goes, "I didn't know my father was that sick." And when she comes, he he was already going to be put in hospital. But they changed their mind. They didn't put him in hospital. They just brought him home to die at home. So wow. yeah, it's it's a shame. It's a shame. So the chlorine dioxide would have help them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just, amazing... a, I just put a post on that uh, on our vaccine project, which is a private group, but even so, people can still take a look. So chlorine dioxide, mm-hmm. yeah, you can uh, you can tell folks about that. Now, does that one of my friends? Box? He's using it. Uh-huh. Yeah, it will clean. It will clean cancer. It will clean anything inside your body. Uh, like okay. if you have a sore throat, within two days you're like brand new. They'll kill parasites. It will kill anything. My one of the friends that I that I go to Sumba, her face it was like very very full of pimples and red and stuff. And she's been using it, uh, uh, drinking it, and she used to put a novel type that they sell, so you can put on your skin, and her skin is so clear now. It's amazing. Yeah, and like I said, Donald Trump took that. When he had COVID, and in two days he was like brand new. They released him on the third day. Mm. Yeah, that's when they accused so, him that he was drinking bleach. Yeah. <laughs> chlorine dioxide. Well, chlorine is in bleach, <laughs> but chlorine is also in a lot of things. It also keeps your pool clear of uh, polio yeah. and other yeah. uh, bacteria infections. Uh, I mean, chlorine is a complex mm-hmm. atom. It does a lot of different things, but it uh, kills any infection. You know, I mean, salts. Salt has a chlorine atom in it. I mean, sodium chloride is mm. NaCl. So chloride is an element of the earth. It's, when it combines with sodium, it forms salt. So mm-hmm. I feel like, oh, chlorine. Mm-hmm. I don't want chlorine. Well, anytime you put salt on something or anytime salt is put in your food, uh, you're ingesting chlorine. <laughs> there's, there's, you know, that's yeah. the way it works, folks. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a fairly common element out there. So people are weird. Because, right. because if you see the real salt is black, <laughs> they make it white. Well, that's interesting. <laughs> Yeah. Well, unless you talk yeah. to CJ, our, our wellness person, who always talks about pink Himalayan sea salt. Yeah, I got that at home. Yeah. Oh, okay. It's okay. But so, sea but, salt uh, is excellent. But it's interesting that you know, the Himalayas was... are a long way from the ocean. Just a thought. Oh. <laughs> Did you know there was a guy from India? I forgot his name. Sea salt. Uh, uh, sea salt and water. He went to a lot of prisons in the Middle East very poor, poor areas, mm-hmm. and he brought a bunch of sea salt and just water. And he will put sea salt underneath your tongue, 
and the people were getting cured with just sea salt under the tongue. And well, if a person chloride. wants to stop, yeah, if a person wants to stop smoking, every time they lit up, they put a little bit of sea salt underneath the tongue. Within six weeks, that person will stop smoking. Oh, well, yeah. That's interesting. Never heard that before. I, so I you put things to, under your tongue because it absorbs faster, or what? I mean, I've heard this before with like yes, nitroglycerin. Up, and people do that. It goes faster. Okay. It goes faster into your blood cells. So why do we swallow pills? Why don't we just put them under our tongue? Just curious. I don't know. I don't it's either. That's why I'm asking. Oh, okay. <laughs> I don't like horse pills. pills. I don't, don't take, take horse pills. <laughs> I don't take pills. Mm-mm. I have to no, get no, 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 no. Too no, much. Okay. So I got an idea for the next hour. Uh, I'm going to pose the question to you. And it's something that occurred to me over the weekend that Donald Trump should apply for political asylum uh, in this country. I was talking to Brianna about it just before you came on. It's kind of a joke, but it's kind of serious. The joke part is, yeah, it's really funny that he has to, you know, you know, he has to apply for a political asylum. Isn't that funny? You know, that you can't do that in the United States. Why would he, you know, because he's being, all these charges are being brought against him. He needs asylum to be protected from all these charges. But the serious aspect is we have an illegal government. We have a dictatorship that's doing exactly what dictatorships do. They make political prisoners out of people. They persecute those against them. So in many respects, although the law says you're supposed to be, you know, coming from a foreign country, getting refuge here and seeking asylum here so that you don't get persecuted by your own country. What if the United States is the country during the, during the persecuting and prosecuting? Then he should be able to remain in the United States and get asylum from the occupation government. That's the serious part of it. What do you the think? Cor- the corrupt corporation that we live under. <laughs> and you know, Greg, thinking about it, um, if, uh, if all these people got arrested, that I was in the Capitol, in the back part of the Capitol. Uh, all these people got arrested immediately with no evidence, no chance to present themselves at the court. They've mm-hmm. been locked up, mm-hmm. tortured. Mm-hmm. They've been serving in maggots. Some of them are getting so sick in the stomach because they're putting a little bit of rot poison in their food. And some of them, they don't even want to eat their food because they know it's full of poop from rats and stuff. How come they didn't come and arrest Donald Trump if they're accusing him of everything right away? How come they waited two years? And and how come how come people are saying impeach Donald I mean impeach uh, Biden if he's an illegitimate president? You cannot impeach well, somebody point. that is illegitimate. No, you arrest him, you don't impeach him. You can impeach him. And impeachment is part of the cover up. Because if the deep state impeaches, right? But if if they do an impeachment, what they're saying is he really is the president. Exactly. And what I'm saying is he's a criminal. Yeah. No, you don't impeach yeah. him; you arrest him. You arrest him for fraud, yeah. for for a coup, for insurrection, for a real insurrection of overthrowing the government when we he obviously didn't win. But he's making political prison. Now, all those folks, now here's the interesting thing, too. Not one UN organization, not one human rights organization, not Amnesty International, not anybody has come to the aid of the January 6th political prisoners. Isn't that interesting? Mm-mm. Where yeah. are they? Where, where's the UN? Where's Amnesty International? Where's the, where's the boycott of U.S. Uh, stuff? Uh, where's the, uh, the condemnation of the world for the way they're treating the January 6th folks? Well, they don't care. Uh-huh. Because they and support also, the dictatorship. Where are yeah. where are all these women's rights? Where are all these women protecting the women from all these mentally ill trannies? Where are they? Hmm. You know, 
that the very next day after Donald Trump won, they were in the street with all these pink, alpha, nasty things that they had in their head. Where are all these people for women's rights? You know, it's all a big show. It's all well organized. It's leftism. But it's, I, it's all, if it helps yeah. the left, they do it. That's what mm-hmm. it all comes down to, if it helps the left. Anyway, yeah. I got some articles so. on asylum. I think you'll find them interesting for this hour. It's going to be kind of fun. And we'll see if uh, Pianchi wants to call. And I haven't heard from him yet today. So uh, we're going we're gonna to hash over this. Go, uh, okay. Yeah. So I listen tomorrow at 9 o'clock. I'm here at the store. So, you, yeah. yeah, you want to listen so, tomorrow at 9 o'clock. All I have to do is get we ready. Got, uh, we got Christina Bob. Yeah. And she's, she's only on for, they say 20 minutes. I'll try and stretch it out to like 45. Because <laughs> you know me. Oh, she's coming on right now? No, tomorrow. She'll be on tomorrow at this time oh, at 9 tomorrow. o'clock tomorrow. Yeah. It's gonna be fun. Okay, I'll be listening. Okay. All right, have fun. God bless you. Mm-hmm. And uh this is Josie reporting for Action Radio. Take some action, donate so we can phone going and uh and bring you news and good reports from all over the world. God bless you and um see you soon next week. And where are you now? Let's get a plug. Ruth Uniform Shops on Olive Road, come and see me in Pensacola, Florida. There you go. With chickens. Bark, bark. And eggs. Chickens and bees and uh, all these goodies. I just bought half of a pig, actually. So I was eating some yesterday. It was so good. Wow. Yeah. Wonderful. So, all right. Okay. Ciao. Thanks, Jesse. God bless, God bless you. you, too. Bye-bye. Take care. Paka. Paka right. Bye. in Russian. Bye-bye. Oh. Dosvidanya. Vidazane. <laughs> all that kind of stuff. All right. It is uh, 9.01 here. I'll be back in a little bit with some uh, interesting ideas on, on uh, President Trump uh, uh, applying for asylum in the United States from our, our foreign occupation uh, government. Here is your Action Radio contact and website information. The call in line is 215-383-3832. Our show site is blogtalkradio.com slash citizen action. Same link, live and a podcast. Please share all our shows. We have live chat at the bottom of the broadcast page available worldwide. Sign in to your free account and type away. We have an internet Skype line where you can call the show worldwide also. Please see the broadcast page for our Skype name. Call in during the show to get approved. Our bill writing site is writeyourlaws.com, W-R-I-T-E-Y-O-U-R-L-A-W-S, writeyourlaws.com. This is where anyone can write a bill and start the process of it becoming law. My paid and free subscription column is at gregpenglis.substack.com. Please consider a paid subscription of $5 per month or greater. For contributions to Action Radio, please go to givesendgo.com slash actionradio. We have over 20 Action Radio Facebook groups. Use the Facebook search window by putting in Action Radio to find our groups. My public email is greg at writeyourlaws.com. Please contact me about advertising on Action Radio and helping our mission of freedom. Thank you for listening. This is Greg Penglis for Strikeforce, your source for pure energy. Strikeforce is a concentrated energy drink that turns a half liter of your favorite beverage into an energy drink. 
you make your energy drink yourself. Action Radio is an affiliate of Strikeforce, so our listeners get a 20% discount. All you do is add our code, WYL, to the discount code window at checkout. WYL comes from our website, Write Your Laws. So, you can get your energy drink, a 20% discount, and help Action Radio change the relationship of we the people to our government. Not bad. Strikeforce is at StrikeforceEnergy.com. That's StrikeforceEnergy.com. Start your engines. And, of course, if you want to help us out, uh, this is how you do that. Here at Action Radio, we are looking for sponsors. We have 30 and 60-second spots available for your announcements. And we have three-minute live call-ins to talk about your products and services available. Action Radio is the next evolution beyond talk radio. Join us and let us help your business evolve. Think about being a sponsor of the future and not just a listener and help us help your business grow as you help us plunge headlong into breaking new ground here on Action Radio every day. This is Greg Penglis. So what is Action Radio? It is a radio show with its own citizen legislature. That's you, the listener. It is a fully interactive system of listeners, expert guests, social media, writing bills, legislator input, bill submission, lobbying, and citizen action. Action Radio is the future of talk radio using all the available technology in one completely integrated new system. You are listening to Action Radio Online with Greg Penglis. The webpage for all Action Radio shows and podcasts is blogtalkradio.com slash citizenaction. Please share our show with all your friends and family, both nationally and internationally. The guiding principle of Action Radio is this. We the people give our consent to be governed through writing the laws by which we are governed. You know, just saying, I've got uh, something here near uh, near my my promotional thing here. Have played this for a while because he passed away almost a, a year ago. Uh, in fact, no, in fact, it would be a year ago. It was a year ago, August, where we lost one of my dear friends, Dr. Peter Pry. And so he was with us maybe four years. Uh, this was back at WEBY, you know, five, even six years ago. I'm not sure when he first started. But uh, talk about a voice of reason and someone that uh, I didn't always agree with, but uh, I was always fascinated with what he had to say. So up until a year ago, uh, on Mondays, you would have heard this theme uh, and then Dr. Peter Pry. What is national security? How much is enough? What about the cost? What are our adversaries doing? Who wins between the State Department and the Pentagon? How accurate is our intelligence capability? Are we keeping up with our nuclear deterrent? Do we have better weapons than our adversaries? How would we know? Can we withstand an EMP attack? How is our missile defense? How about the basic power grid? Is it safe? These are the questions Dr. Pry has been dealing with his whole career. Dr. Peter Vincent Pry is the Executive Director of the Task Force on National and Homeland Security. He has served on the Congressional EMP Commission, the Congressional Strategic Posture Commission, the House Armed Services Committee, and the CIA. He is the author of The Power and the Light, the Congressional EMP Commission's War to Save America. And now he anchors the National Security Report here on Action Radio. 
How Much National Security is Enough? And now, Dr. Peter Vincent Pry. You know, I wish I had him back on the show. Uh, so I'm going to do a little tribute to uh, Dr. Pry. Uh, he told us you know, how to stop the war from happening uh, in Ukraine. Uh, he just did some amazing things. And, and uh, I believe his family came from Russia originally. I'm just a little bit here. Looking for the, the right volume for my, uh, my, my background here. I guess that sounds about right. We'll try it there. I'll listen to it on the podcast. Anyway, uh, a lot of remarkable people make up this country, and we're all, all only here for a certain amount of time. And so I might play that theme every day during August because this is, uh, this is the month that he died last year. And so I'm looking for a national security reporter. We need to, uh, to get that part of the show back again to, to talk about these vital issues. And no one's come forward. Not that I haven't asked. So if we're going to keep our country, America, beautiful, we have to keep it safe and we have to know uh, what's going on in the world. And so that's why I have, uh, that's a, I want to get, you know, national security back as one of our issues. All right, let me take a look at uh, more of my, I'm having fun pushing buttons right now. I haven't done this uh, much today. So let's get to uh, our, our news theme and get into the idea of, of asylum uh, for President Trump. There's a bunch of things to have the news. Let me just spend a couple of minutes doing that, and then we'll uh, get into our, our main topic. And, of course, anybody's free to uh, get us on live chat. Uh, if you want to call in from anywhere in the world while we're on the air, we do have a Skype line. Uh, the online Skype line is right there in our broadcast information. And, of course, you can always call the show, 215-383-3832. Don't recommend calling internationally. It gets very expensive. But uh, you certainly are, are welcome to try that. Uh, Marco's always uh, getting uh, on the line here from the Netherlands on live chat. Uh, talking about things like it's national, you can read the rest of it, it's National Cat Day. <laughs> Get the rest of it, you figure it out for yourself. Anyway, um, so things that I find interesting, and, and one of the, let me start, I want to work backwards here. Um, as you know, I think uh, the, the newest uh, swamp candidate, Vivek Obama Swamy, is a total fraud. I mean, a total and complete fraud. I don't trust him. I don't like him. I think he's uh, Obama and Mitt Romney and Paul Ryan and uh, Mike Pence all rolled up into one. And so I'm looking for, I, I looked up his patents uh, last night. I looked up all the things that, that he invented. Guess what? He hasn't invented anything. I found that interesting. All right. <clears throat> so then I looked up, uh, let's get another one here. I got so many things. I got all these news stories here. So then I looked up, okay, well, let's see if we can find out, uh, you know, patents or, or anything else. And apparently there's only two patents. Let's see if I can find my, my, I'm looking for my, my patents on uh, Swami. It's a, where's, where's my Swami? Uh, oh, I can't believe I can't find it. All right. We're going to run out of news stories here in a minute. I didn't put it there. So I'm going to look for it here. But uh, it's, I just find it interesting that, he, you know, for a guy that made $600 million, he hasn't invented anything and he hasn't patented anything by himself. It's not that one. It's not that one. It's not that one. Okay. So we're going to move up to the next one. Uh, 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 it's not there either. I wonder if I moved it somewhere. And I'll do that sometimes. I'll put something somewhere and I can't find it because I'm trying to. Ah, here we go. Found it. 
<laughs> I'm trying to limit the amount of windows that I have. So I put about 10 articles, five articles on one thing. So Justia, the Justia website, patents.justia.com, that's J-U-S-T-I-A, has patents invented by Vivek Ramaswamy, who we're calling Obamaswamy. The first one is inferring vehicle location and movement using sensor data fusion. So this guy is basically working on a traffic system, traffic management system. <laughs> okay. Patent number 11686862. That's interesting. Filed December 19th, 2019. So this is, you know, pretty much uh, right as COVID was coming in. Well, good timing. Uh, assigned the Uber technologies. This is for Uber, right? So, so apparently he, uh, he's, he's on a patent with uh, Andrew Irish, Dinesh Ramaswamy, which is probably his father or brother, Andrew Joseph uh, Beinstein, Theodore Russell Sumner's, Hemabhsekshakar and Vivek Sandgarvadivil, whatever it is. Anyway, so a lot of people for this. Uh, basically, it says uh, a network system such as a transport management system infers movement and a location of a vehicle associated with a transportation service. So in other words, he, he locates Ubers. <laughs> okay. Uh, that, he's the biotech guy, right? So why is a biotech guy on a patent for tracking Ubers? I just find that interesting, right? The second patent, and this is it, Traffic visual, Visualization System, uh, publication number 201702-05247. Systems and methods provide traffic information, including traffic flow, in regions that lack the infrastructure necessary for providing well-established traffic control. So, but don't you get that from, you know, your AM radio? <laughs> Drones? I don't know. Cameras? Don't they provide all that stuff already? So why would you have to do this? January 19th, 2016. So, you know, way back when. Again. Bharat Kalali Narayana, Bharat Balaso Kut, Girdara Kaleri, and there at the end, Vivek Ramaswamy, <laughs> you know, on this. So he's got two patents for basically glorified GPS. <laughs> okay. That's what he's done. I'm sorry. That, you know, that's not going to, to make you $600 million. It's just not. So the guy's a total fraud. I mean, he's, just a, he's a total fraud. All right. Fraud. We're talking big time. Swami's a fraud. All right, so that's in the news. What else have I got here? Uh, All right. Oh, here's another one. Chip Roy. We're going to talk about Chip Roy in the coming days. Chip Roy has filed or has some kind of big petition, says that he's not going to send any money to the Department of Homeland Security until they close the border, (laughs) which ain't going to happen during Biden. Biden. Brandon or Biden. It's not going to happen during Brandon. Uh, And the other one, the DOJ, he says they're not going to get funding until they actually go by the law. That's not going to happen during Brandon either. So but that's, that's what he's trying to do. And here's the exciting thing, too. All right, so this is a little bit different. Um, general aviation, you know, uh, most folks don't know this, but uh, I, I still have my current flight instructor certificate. Still good. You know, I'll renew it again in 2024, but uh, it's fine. I renewed it last year. So every even year I renew my flight instructor certificate because someday, I, you know, I might want to teach, teach flying again. Right? So I taught flying for a long time. I wrote a book, The Complete Guide to Flight Instruction. I advertise it every day. Um, it's that's the 30th anniversary is next year. That's going to boom. But something very exciting in aviation is happening. The FAA is doing something right. <laughs> They're changing the rules. They're opening up all these wonderful European uh, and soon to be American light sport aircraft with these incredible Rotax engines. Now I'm just learning about Rotax engines, but they're pretty fascinating. They're more efficient. They, they, I guess they operate at like 5,000 RPM, then they gear it down to like 2,500 for, for propellers. So they have a gear reduction system. They're all turbocharged. They're much more efficient. They're fuel injected. Um, they're much more efficient than your standard airplane carbureted, you know, six-cylinder, big, loud, you know, gas-guzzling aviation engine. 
these things are small, efficient, but they can take a, with the new airplanes being made of carbon fiber and, and really lightweight materials as opposed to aircraft aluminum and steel, you know, uh, what normally would be a 2,500-pound airplane weighs about 800 pounds, <laughs> okay, because it's all carbon fiber, right? So it's light. Well, when it's that light, it doesn't take that much engine power to get it going. So we've got these airplanes coming out of Europe, particularly the VL3, that's, v, that's Victor Lima, VL3 coming out of the Czech Republic, um, that it weighs about 850 pounds. It's got 150, 160 horsepower, which is not that big an engine, um, Rotax engine, and the thing does uh, over 200 miles an hour. So it does 100 knots. That's like 220, 230 miles an hour, all right? Uh, and it costs 150000 maybe up to 200000 and it runs on car gas. It runs on car gas, right? So you don't have to have special aviation fuel. You just put... Uh, you know, just put your unleaded uh, in it and off it goes. <laughs> now, I'd probably buy gas uh, because it's an airplane. I'd probably buy gas without uh, ethanol in it just because it would make the airplane last longer. But it, it probably can take – it's probably got flex fuel. Anyway, so that's the future of aviation. So that's really exciting too. So all these things are happening right now, and I, I can't – I couldn't be more excited. All right. Main topic. Let me get uh, – let's get uh, uh, another another news theme here now that I'm on a roll. Uh, let's try – I tried that one. Let's try this one. So the question of the day is, should President Donald John Trump be able to apply for asylum, for political asylum, so he can't be charged, he can't be arrested, he can't be prosecuted, persecuted, or otherwise um, gone after by the illegitimate government, by the illegal government, by the fraud government, by the Marxist coup government uh, of the deep state, of the Brandon insurrection, which is persecuting him for the sole reason that they don't want it talked about, uh, that they're really frauds. And, and so they're, they're, they're prosecuting him for his political stand that they're a fraud government. Okay, well, they're a fraud government. Maybe I should get political asylum too. But you, you can't be persecuted for your opinion. You can't be persecuted for, you can't be persecuted for lying unless your lie you know, comes under slander or libel or some other things. But just the fact that you lie, you know, politicians lie all the time. I promise to uh, make the government smaller. No, you don't. That's a lie. You know, um, gun control is constitutional. Well, that's a lie, too. <laughs> we can go. We, I, I can do this all day, you know. Uh, but the point is that uh, if you made lying a criminal offense, then everybody's guilty. Because I could be accused when, when I say that, uh, you know, all rights are absolute. You know, some leftists will say, well, that's a lie. I'm going to put you in jail for that. So it becomes very subjective as to, to a lie becomes whatever you disagree with. And so the party in power can then put the party out of power in jail. For, because they disagree with them, right? So this is, this is how bad this gets. So the question is, how, how does asylum work? Well, asylum generally works, like I say. Someone comes from a country like Venezuela, which is, I think it's the largest number of asylees, people seeking asylum, are coming from Venezuela. Well, it makes sense. They've got a Marxist government there uh, that came to power. I think they were voted in, but uh, they're doing everything now illegally. Maybe Hugo Chavez was, was put in lawfully, but after that, who knows, right? So once, once the communists get in, they fix the elections and they stay in power. So if you say that Venezuela has a corrupt, disgusting government, they're murdering people and all this other stuff, which they are, 
Uh, but if you say that and the government says, well, you can't say that. That's not true. We're going to you know, throw you in jail for, for 50 years. You know, then, uh, then you come to the United States and say, please, I'm, I'm, I'm a victim of political persecution. I need asylum here so that the Venezuelans don't kill me, throw me in jail, throw me in a gulag, make me disappear. The United States says, great, come on in. We'll protect you from your own country. No problem. Now, as far as I know, I don't know any case. And I've looked. I've looked online. I don't know of any case where anybody has said I'm being prosecuted by an illegal U.S. government. I don't want to leave the United States because the United States isn't the problem. This is still the land of the free, the home of the brave. Well, except for the Democrats. Most of the Republicans, most of the politicians, the deep states, not, deep state doesn't qualify. But for most Americans, this is still land of free home of the brave, right? And so most people who are being politically persecuted, prosecuted in this country, the difference between persecuted and prosecuted, prosecuted means you're legally charged or, or you're, you're being charged with something, you did something illegal. That's what, that's what prosecuted is. Persecuted means they're going after you because they want to, which is a big difference, right? So political, you know, if you're being politically oppressed, uh, if you're being uh, gone after for political reasons, that's illegal. And that's where, we, that's where we grant asylum. But I don't think we've ever granted asylum. Certainly haven't granted asylum to a former president, who's actually a current president, too. It, it gets complicated. Anyway, so let's, put, so let's go. Let's take a look at our uh, U.S. government websites. How to seek asylum in the U.S. And this is from USA.gov. So it is uh, that's exactly what it is, USA.gov. All right. How to seek asylum in the U.S. To seek asylum, you must already be in the U.S. and believe you will be in danger of persecution if you return to your country. Okay. So, again, this would make a, a change in law, but I think it's worth looking into. So is Trump, if Trump seeks asylum, he's already in the U.S., and he, doesn't, he believes he's in danger of persecution. He's being persecuted. You know, the media hates him. The the government hates him. They're saying all kinds of bad things about him. And he's also being prosecuted. Third indictment, which is all bogus. It's all political. It's got nothing to do with reality or breaking the law. So he qualifies for, if he were a foreign person, and this were a foreign government doing this to him, he would qualify for asylum. Okay? Then it says, learn how to seek asylum and sponsor someone else. Okay? So who can sponsor him? So who would sponsor? Uh, I would. (laughs) I think a lot of people would sponsor Donald Trump for asylum. Why not? Right? Anyway, so USA.gov. Thank you, USA.gov. You just pointed out how to do this. Okay, so it says to be eligible for asylum, you must be, quote, uh, here, here are the bullet points, inside the United States. Okay, Donald Trump is inside the United States. Also, be able to demonstrate that you were persecuted or have a fear of persecution in your home country, which is the United States. Okay, so that, that part qualifies too. In your home country due to your race. No, he's not being persecuted because he's white. Okay, religion. No, he's not being persecuted because he's, he's a Christian, although those things are being you know, gone after by the media and made fun of, you know, being a white male Christian. Uh, nationality. No, they're not persecuting because he's a United States citizen. Social group. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. They're going after Trump because he's a mega Republican. His social group is make America great again. His other social group is America First, those are social groups. They're on social media. They're across the nation. They're massive social groups. Both Make America Great Again and America First are social groups. So under social groups, he qualifies for asylum in this country from the brand in the illegal government. And the most important is political opinion. His political opinion is that the election was stolen. And I believe it's fact. Uh, I've seen enough evidence. 
So the political fact that the election was stolen is also his political opinion, and that qualifies him for asylum. So he qualifies under two counts. He qualifies under social group, Make America Great Again and America First, which are being persecuted by the government, all right? and he qualifies under political opinion. He says the election was stolen, which, of course, it was. So like I say, I qualify too. So, so under two reasons, he, you know, he's inside the United States, uh, social group and political opinion, he qualifies for asylum, all right? I mean, I'm joking, but I'm not, right? So this is quite interesting. Then it says, learning the process, da, 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 how to sponsor an asylum seeker. Okay, okay that's one, one website. Next website. How to, right, here we go. How to apply for refugee or political asylum in the U.S. U.S. government offer. This is from uh, rocketlawyer.com. <laughs> Jesus. Here's a lawyer who will help you get asylum, right? Well, this is what I'm going to ask Christina Bob about this tomorrow. This is how to apply for refugee or political asylum status in the U.S. The U.S. government offers humanitarian assistance programs so refugees and political asylum seekers facing oppression and persecution. So is Donald Trump facing oppression and persecution? Yes, he is. So he qualifies for asylum from the U.S. government, from the U.S. government. See, this is the weird part, right? So the U.S. government is in the unique position of having to give him asylum because he's being persecuted, but the U.S. government that he's getting asylum from is the U.S. government. So in other words, the U.S. government is persecuting him, and it's up to the U.S. government to give him asylum from prosecution by the U.S. government. This is why it gets complicated. So can the same government that's persecuting him, that's causing him to be uh, eligible for asylum, also give him asylum and protect him from that same U.S. government? You can see why this gets complicated, right? But that's what we're dealing with, right? So it's need help with immigration, what's the new asylum? Which, uh, most refugees and political asylum seekers are leaving their home countries due to fear of violence. Well, I'm, I'm sure he's afraid of violence too here. A lot of people want to do violence against him because they think he's a bad person because that's what they were told. What is required to qualify as a refugee? Well, this is interesting. Referral, uh, not being firmly resettled in another country, not being an immediate relative. Okay, yes. So he's not a refugee, but he is seeking asylum. Apparently, they're two different things, which is what I'm learning about now. All right. What's the last one more here? Let's get the application. All right. So where is, where is asylum in the law? Okay. So asylum in the law is uh, 8 U.S. Code, Section 1158. So this is the actual law. Cornell Law Information Legal Information Institute. Cornell Law School Legal Information Institute. So that would be the Cornell Law School LII, my favorite source. So U.S. Code, Section, excuse me, U.S. Code, Title 8. Section 1158, Asylum. A1, Authority for Asylum. In general, any alien who is physically present in the United States or who arrives in the United States, whether or not as a designated port of... Uh, whether or not as a designated port of... the United States. Here we go. Irrespective of such alien status, may apply for asylum. So this is any alien who is physically present in the United States. So current law says you have to be an alien. You can't, be, you can't apply for asylum in the United States if you're, if you're a United States citizen. Well, see, that needs to change. <laughs> so we're going to change that. So we're going to put change, big star here, change asylum law. Asylum law. And that's 8 U.S.C. section. It's hard to make a section sign. 1158 to say U.S. citizens can apply for asylum. 
for asylum, A-S-Y-L-U-M, in U.S. from U.S. government. (laughs) That's not the way it's supposed to work. Our government is supposed to be a refuge, not a problem, but apparently things have changed. Safe third country, time limit, it's got some other things here. Previous system, yeah. Anyway, so that's the basic thing. So the basic thing is any alien who is physically present in the United States or who arrives uh, irrespective of such alien status may apply for asylum. So illegal alien or legal alien can apply for asylum. Well, Trump is neither an illegal nor a legal alien. He's a national. He's a citizen. So that's changed a lot. All right. But that's that's part of the point of this is changing the law. So how do you apply? Well, we've got one, one thing here. Part uh, part B of your application for asylum says this is form I dash five eight nine. It's an, it's a uh, a form of the uh, Immigration Service part of the uh, uh, that would be the Department of Immigration and Naturalization. Okay. So you go to the Department of Immigration and Naturalization website and you get your form I five eight nine supplement B. Part B, and this is how you do it. This is when answering the following questions about your asylum or other protection claim. So that's it. So asylum people are protected. They're protected from legal action by their home country. So what we're trying to do is have legal action from a, from an enemy foreign government that's currently in the White House. So asylum other protection. You must provide a detailed and specific account of the basis of your claim to asylum or protection. So you got to you know state why you want it, right? Uh, to be the best of your to the best of your ability, provide specific dates, places, and descriptions uh, about each or every action described. Well, that's going to be easy for Trump. This <laughs> is all on record, right? So refer to instructions part one. Da, 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 da. And then question one: Why are you applying for asylum or withholding of removal under section twenty four two forty one dash B three of the INA? That's the Immigration and Naturalization Act or Nationality Act INA. That's what governs a lot of the the stuff with immigrants, right? And citizenship. I use it, you know, saying the 14th Amendment uh, subject to the jurisdiction clause means that you can't um, you can't give birth to uh, an American citizen unless one of the parents is an American citizen. That's how it works, right? Subject to the jurisdiction. So that's in the same title. Uh, that'd be the title. What do we say? Eight. Okay. So then, so this would be uh, part eight. Why are you applying for asylum? Section 241B3 of the Immigration Nationality Act. For withholding of removal under the Convention Against Torture. There you go. So are you being tortured? So check the appropriate boxes below uh, and then provide detailed answers to questions A and B above. So where's question? Oh, there we go. Question A is actually below. Oh, A and B above. List all your information on your background. So you've got to get your background in there. All right. Then it says, I am seeking asylum or withholding of removal based on race, religion, nationality, political opinion, membership in a particular social group, or torture convention. Well, his would be, again, political opinion and membership in a particular social group. Next question. Have you, your family, or close friends or colleagues ever experienced harm or mistreatment or threats in the past by anyone? Yes. The U.S. government went after his whole family. Donald Trump Jr., Eric Trump, Ivanka Trump, uh, Jared Kushner. Uh, what's your name, Trump? <laughs> the other one, you know, his whole family has been gone after. So yes, you qualify for asylum there. Next one. Do you fear harm or mistreated if you return to your home country? That's going to be tough to say. This is his home country. He's not going to. So yeah, he's going to get, he's, he's actually getting mistreatment in his home country because he's still here. So I don't know how you answer that one. Uh, 
Next one. Have you or your family members ever been accused, charged, arrested, detained, interrogated, convicted, and sentenced or imprisoned in any country other than the United States? Well, he would have to say no, but he has had all those things happen to him in the United States. This is, have you or your family members ever belonged to or associated with any organization or groups? It's got the Communist Party, things like that. He would say, probably say no. Hope so. Well, it's got labor unions, religious organizations. Yeah, you probably belong to those. Hmm. And it talks about various groups and things like that. Right, so, yeah. But anyways, it's basically what we talked about. It's not that big a form, right? Have you, your spouse, your children, your parents, or siblings ever applied to the U.S. government for refugee status? Probably not. After leaving the country from which you are claiming asylum, no, he's not doing it. He's claiming asylum from the United States government. So this is the thing. Can you claim asylum from a government and still be in the United States? So the way this is written, you, you claim asylum from a country. Hmm. They want voting records and things like that. So it's pretty straightforward. Not that big a form. Let's see if i got any other questions I should ask. The circumstances of any arrests. Yeah, kind of goes on. Okay. I think this is interesting. You know, I just, uh, yeah. So there we go. How to seek asylum. How to become. All right. So we got that here. So we got the how-tos. Kind of fun. So we'll see what happens. We will definitely see what happens with that. I'm going to get you some more news, different news here. I'm going to take on the break in a bit. I tend to uh, take breaks like every half hour when I'm, when I'm, you know, doing a whole bunch of stuff. I got the co-conspirators. Uh, text copy. I got the debate. Yeah, I that. Yeah, I'm going to pass on this one, so this one's not going to work. Let's see if I can play a couple things while we're waiting. I'll take another break right now. What time is it? 9.33. We only have less than half an hour left for the show. Good time to call in if you're interested. Uh, good time to type in that uh, live chat. Uh, 9.33. Break. Play the, the, half, the other half of my commercials, <laughs> so I'll get that done. And then I'll be back in just a little bit. Let me see. I'm, uh, maybe play something else interesting for you as well. Here we go. Greg Penglis here for my book, The Complete Guide to Flight Instruction. Everyone at some point in their life wants to learn how to fly. Few try. Even fewer go on to get a license. I believe a major reason for that is how we teach people how to fly. My book is designed to help you navigate the flight training system, but it's so much more than that. It really describes an entirely new way to teach flying. So if you've never tried a lesson or got discouraged in your training and quit for any reason, this book can help you. Don't be a rope pilot who just follows procedures. Be a thinking pilot who makes great decisions, who understands all the reasons why we do what we do. You can incorporate these principles into your own flight training at any time. The Complete Guide to Flight Instruction is featured on the Action Radio with Greg Pankless Facebook page and is available from Amazon.com. Well, that sounds good. Even better. Okay, how about your car? If you want the best service for your vehicle, please talk to James at Florida Stores Automotive, conveniently located at 6715 Caroline Street in the historic district of Milton, Florida, right between the Milton Bakery and the Blackwater Trail. Whether you need an oil change or an entire engine replaced, this is the place. The phone number is 850-623-6651. That's 850-623-6651. Call, ask questions, and get the information you need. 
Florida Stores Automotive is a full-service automotive shop for both domestic and imports, modern and classic. It is a family-owned business here in our Milton community. Open weekdays from 7.30 to 5 p.m., Florida Stores Automotive is a convenient place to keep your car maintained and on the road. Ask them about Firestone Tires and the rotation and maintenance plan. Florida Stores Automotive. I go there. You should, too. Do you know your way around healthcare, insurance, pharmacies, surgery, alternative treatments and choices? I don't. Which is why I'm so glad I met Priscilla Romans, had her on Action Radio, and learned about health patient advocacy. She is the founder of Great Care. And now as an affiliate of Great Care, we are proud to offer through our discount code, WYL, which stands for Write Your Laws, a 10% discount. Great Care saves you both time and money. They provide medical advocacy, consultation, advice, and recommendations nationwide. Their website is greatcare.com. That's G-R-A-I-T-H care.com. You can email them at greatcare.adm at gmail.com or call them at 469-864-7149. That's 469-864-7149. Great Care, better health through better knowledge and advocacy. Action Radio, part of the ADHD Radio Network, the ultimate free speech zone. We the people give our consent to be governed through writing the laws by which we are governed and have the power through juries to nullify the laws by which we do not consent to be governed. At Action Radio, we don't report the news. We are the news. Every other show reports what has happened. We talk about what can happen. From the questions no one has thought to ask, to the answers no one has thought to consider, to the actions no one has dared to take, that is Action Radio. Okay, so I've got uh, several articles here that are of uh, kind of general interest, and I always save them for a time like this, and this is you know, a perfect opportunity, uh, especially since I asked the question earlier, what, if, uh, what, what is it about Trump that, uh, that the left absolutely can't stand? It's, it's more than just hatred. I mean, they're obsessed. They're absolutely obsessed with not only ruining him, ruining the memory of him. It's like if they could erase him from history, they would. Why? What, what do you do that's all that bad? Well, uh, let's find out. And so uh, I've got my theories. My theory is because he's taking all their, their uh, privilege and status and he's basically, you know, uh, taking off the, 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 you know, the man behind the curtain, Wizard of Oz kind of thing. He's, he's pulling up the curtain and what they're seeing is people that believe only in their own power, only in their own prestige, only in their own isolated little world where they want to run everything, uh, regardless of the Constitution and the laws. They don't care. They just want the power. Uh, they've, they've got themselves positions of power and they like it. They're used to it. And they want to keep those positions of power. And Donald Trump's coming along saying, no, you can't. Every other president uh, said, yeah, no problem, you, you know, because they're from the same class, they're from the same uh, group. So the, the two parties, you know, put forward uh, candidates for, for the president and other offices that are of the same club that believe that the elite should rule and everybody else should shut the hell up. 
Trump doesn't believe that, and that's why we like him. Anyway, so article by Alex Berenson, who is a, a more of a, of a liberal reporter who basically got kicked off the New York Times. That's what makes him interesting. He says, why the elites are so hated and Donald Trump stronger than ever after three indictments. Normally, when you indict somebody of a crime, they do that because the person's a criminal. Okay, in the case of Donald Trump, they're doing it for a political persecution, which is why I think he should apply for asylum. That's where that came from. Be interesting to see. I'm really curious to see what Christina Bob says tomorrow. We'll find out. Uh, I got other questions for her too, especially on uh, on Obama Swami and some other things. Anyway, so Alex Berenson, August third, twenty twenty three. So in other words, a few days ago, said a new piece from the New York Times uh, columnist gets to the heart of the matter. It hit me hard since I too have gotten in trouble for telling the elites something they didn't want to hear. Well, I think every day I tell the elites things that they don't want to hear. That's the whole purpose of the show, or one of the main ones. Anyway, he says. <clears throat> oh, excuse me. I'm sorry. He says, David Brooks is a conservative New York Times columnist. Yeah, right. Sure he is. Which means he's not at all that conservative. Yeah, that's true. Uh, it says he's smart, but he tends towards self-satisfied windbaggery. I could use that word windbaggery in a sentence sometime. He says he's a guy who didn't tell readers he took money from a nonprofit he promoted after he wrote a book called The Road to Character. <laughs> a little ironic. He says, hey, maybe he was taking the scenic route. And he says, but Brooks just nailed it. He says, did he ever? In a column called What If We're the Bad Guys Here. <laughs> very good, very good, Brooks. He says, Brooks sought to explain the increasingly obvious fact that the prosecutions of Donald Trump are, how about that? He says, the elites didn't figure that. They figured, oh, we're going to indict him. We're going to prosecute him. We're going we're to make him look evil. Then, you know, the, the, the law and order conservatives hate hate." Uh, hate a criminal. Well, except we realize Donald Trump's not the criminal. He's the hero in the story, and they are the criminals. That's why it's not working. Anyway, article says Trump now pulls even with Joe Biden, which I find impossible, uh, even though the economy is far stronger uh, than it was six months ago. The United States has avoided recession. That's not true either, because, because we haven't really dealt with inflation. Well, that is true. Uh, and, and because where else can, uh, can companies invest? This is Europe, which is halfway to uh, tearing up its roads to make Greta Thunberg happy. <laughs> this is China, where you can make all the money you like as long as Xi Jinping doesn't notice. <laughs> there we go. He says, presidential elections are supposedly referendums on economic growth. Are you better off today than you were four years ago? That was the famous Reagan question. He says, yet neither solid growth and stock market recovery nor Trump's indictments have helped Biden or hurt Trump, who is now a near lock to win the Republican nomination. Well, I think he's a lock to win it, but we'll see. Anyway. This is Ron DeSantis' bizarre decision to focus on the homoerotic Nazi <laughs> vote rather, rather than a success keeping Florida open has helped Trump, too. Yeah, uh, the biggest mistake DeSantis made was believing uh, that stupid propaganda about how wonderful he was. They appealed to his ego. He, that one, he said, I can beat Trump. Idiot. You should have known you were never going to beat Trump. So not only has he killed 2024, he's killed 2028. But that's another story. Article says, but Trump's strength clearly is bigger than DeSantis's problems. No other Republican candidate has a realistic shot either. In fact, the casualty rate may run the other way as Trump drives DeSantis to desperate and stupid moves. Yeah, that makes sense. Then he says, so what's going on? Well, he's Brooks. Back to this guy, Brooks. Has a theory. It's a good one. It sure uh, matches uh, my experience since 2020. He says, to find out what Brooks thinks, he says, subscribe. So there's a partial ad in here, too, but he, he does give some more information. He says, Brooks' article is paywalled, but this is the essential thought. So in other words, he's, so we're getting a freebie here, folks. <laughs> he's taking from a paid article by a, a non-conservative conservative uh, and telling us what he said. He says, uh, I asked you to try uh, on a vantage point in which we anti-Trumpers 
are not the eternal good guys. Yeah, guess what? Uh, in fact, we're the bad guys. <clears throat> he says, the story begins in the 1960s when high school grads had to go off to fight in Vietnam, but the children of the educated class got college deferment. So there you go. So the poor folks fought Vietnam. The rich kids went to college. This is the ideal that, quote, we're all in this together was replaced with the reality that the educated class lives in a world up here and everybody else is forced into a world down there. Members of our class are always publicly speaking out for the marginalized, but somehow we always end up building systems that serve ourselves. Then he says, what if the elite guide to serving man turned out to be a cookbook? <laughs> That's from a Twilight Zone episode. I'm not even going to explain it to you. You've got to watch the Twilight Zone, but that is a fascinating uh, show. All right. Anyway, I'm not going to repeat it. You got, if you missed it, go check the podcast. He says, so then we got the, the, the David Brooks article, What If We're the Bad Guys Here, August 2nd, 2023. Brooks writes, it's easy to understand why people in less educated classes will conclude that they are under economic, political, cultural, and moral assault. Less educated classes, <laughs> right? He says, and why they've rallied around Trump as their best warrior against the educated class. Trump understood that it's not the entrepreneurs who seem more threatening to workers. It's the professional class. Yes, yes, uh, says uh, Berenson, Alex Berenson, a thousand times yes. He says, here's what I'd add. Trump is not alone in that realization. He says, but he is so obnoxious, so narcissistic, and so unapologetic that he drives the elites to distraction. As I wrote in May, Trump causes his opponents to overreact and reveal themselves. Isn't that great? Yeah, go ahead. Piss them off. Let's find out who they really are. Then he says, Democrats, this is what happened. Uh, yet, whoop, almost knocked my mic over. Yesterday with my, with my liberal caller. It was really good at first and did fine, but then start, kind of reverted to liberal stuff. In other words, uh, restating everything I said incorrectly and then arguing you know, for what they wanted to argue against as opposed to what I actually said. That kind of stuff drives me crazy. Um, but other than that, it was, it was an interesting chat. But, you know, but once people sort of revert to liberal tactics, I, you know, the, we're pretty much done with our discussion. Fortunately, it happened at the end of the show, so it was okay. All right. Then it says, Democrats and reporters, I know the overlap is almost 100%, may pretend to care about fair treatment under the law and in journalism. But how can anyone who has seen the plea deal Hunter Biden was about to receive last week believe them? At this point, they hate Trump so much, they seem ready to do anything to prevent him from assuming office again. Well, he's not going to assume office again. He's going to win office again. Okay, so you got to watch your words. Anyway, he says, yes, the elites believe in the rule of law. Totally, completely, as long as they're winning. Uh, see, I don't believe in the rule of law. I believe in the law, and I believe in the power of we the people to write the laws we consent to be governed by. So ultimate authority, the ultimate authority is we the people. We delegate that authority to local governments. We delegate that authority to states. Delegate that authority to the federal government. But the federal government is lowest on the chain. You know, I think local government has more direct and more, uh, more proper impact on people. But that, well, that's for another show. He says, how am I so sure uh, in the role of... Uh, Elites believe in the, in the rule of law. Totally, completely. <laughs> he says, because they have felt the wrath myself, especially in 2021. He says, the elites had faith in the COVID vaccines and the process that led to their emergency authorization. At least they did once Biden won. Yes, I never did. We all know my story. He says, they didn't entirely understand it, but they believe, given the importance of COVID jabs, they believe they could, they could trust drug companies to tell the truth about them. Can't believe. No, that's why you test. <laughs> you can't believe drug companies. You know, they'll say anything to make a profit, right? He says they believe the Food and Drug Administration and the Centers for Disease Control would provide a meaningful check on the companies, too. Well, can't believe that either, apparently. 
He says, and they did not want to hear anyone say otherwise, especially if those objections were grounded in data. They didn't mind hearing bizarre conspiratorial theories like the ones that messenger RNAs made people magnetic because they liked believing that anyone who had uh, questions must be a fool. Well, let's, let's stop on the magnet. There's actually a lot of uh, reason to believe. It's not that people are magnetic, but there's, there, there are ferrous, in other words, iron uh, particles. Graphene oxide has iron uh, as a component of it, and iron is magnetic. So, yes, people were magnetic if they had enough COVID jab in them because of the graphene oxide, because of the iron that was in it, measurable by magnets. Okay? So it's not, it's not a myth. It's actual truth. Anyway, then it says no one except maybe Tucker Carlson felt their anger uh, on the jabs more than I did. And that's not a coincidence. Tucker and I were both class traders and thus particularly annoyed them. In other words, they didn't get the jab. Good for them. It says for a while they were content to rely on mockery and social ostracism to shut me up. Branson didn't stay shut up. He left the New York Times and started writing for Substack, which is where I found this article. He says, but when those measures failed and push came to shove in the summer of 2021, the media, academic, and leftist political elites made clear that they didn't give a damn about my First Amendment right to speak. So in other words, they're perfectly willing to say we have a First Amendment right to speak as long as people say the right things. <laughs> That's kind of how it works, right? He said, article, he, Alex Branson says they still don't. He says they haven't even acknowledged the black and white evidence I have presented of the White House's censorship efforts. Well, not just Alex Aronson, but uh, Matt Talibi, uh, this guy uh, who's doing the uh, uh, wrote uh, his testimony, uh, Schellenberger, what was titled the uh, censorship industrial complex. And these guys are liberals. Right? They know good liberals protect the right of free speech. That's the difference. Then he says they still don't. They haven't even acknowledged the black and white evidence I have presented of the White House's censorship efforts. So, yeah, I cannot stand Donald Trump. Yes, I, yes, still. But I know very well how he and his supporters feel. I texted a friend yesterday. So he may not support him because he's liberal. This is Alex Berenson. But he understands who Trump is and what he stands for. And that he actually has our best interests at heart, even, heart, even if you don't agree with him. Anyway, I got some other stuff here. <laughs> okay, I can't read that. <laughs> Too many F-bombs. This is, then there's one big difference between me and Trump, though. And this is Alex Berenson speaking. There's one big difference between him and Trump. At this point, the elites would rather forget about the messenger RNAs, in other words, the COVID. Everyone knows the vaccines didn't work. <laughs> Let me say that again. Everyone knows the vaccines didn't work. They didn't stop COVID, and they probably didn't even make a meaningful difference to its trajectory. It mutated to become more transmissible and less virulent, as viruses do, and everybody wound up getting it anyway. That's true. We all had COVID, right? He says, but I can't forget about Donald Trump because he will not go away. What they don't get is that their relentless refusal to let voters decide Trump's fate for themselves is now provoking a backlash, a backlash that is only going to grow. That's true. The details of what Trump did with a few boxes in Mar-a-Lago last year or even in the White House in January 2021 matters less and less. It's true. It does. Nobody cares. Water break. I must have talked a lot today. <laughs> Drinking a lot of water the last few minutes. He says, what matters is the growing perception that Trump is being hounded, not in spite of the fact that he might win next year, but because of it. That's key. Let me say that again. What matters is the growing perception that Trump is being hounded, in other words, persecuted, prosecuted, right? Not in spite of the fact he might win next year, but because of it. Jack Smith, who I still believe is Hunter's older brother, <laughs> check my Facebook, you'll see why. 
Jack Smith doesn't get to decide who is going to be president any more than Andy Slavitt decides who can, who can talk about COVID vaccines. I'm not sure who Andy Slavitt is, but maybe I'll look it up. Because the elites have forgotten that they don't get to make all the rules. Most maybe, some not at all. As Brooks wrote, history is a graveyard of classes who, which have preferred caste privileges to leadership. That is the destiny of, of uh, destiny our class is now flirting with. Yep, that's what they're doing. It's exactly what they're doing. And so this, this makes perfect sense to me. History is a graveyard of classes which have preferred caste privileges to leadership. So the elites, the, the upper echelons, the, the top folks, the world government stooges, the globalists, they prefer leadership over, uh, they prefer, excuse me, their caste privileges. They prefer their privileges to leadership. So in other words, they want the trappings of leadership. They want the authority. They want the power. They want the office. They want the prestige. They want the money. They want the control, but they don't actually want the leadership. That's the whole point of putting them in those positions. They don't want the leadership because if they wanted the leadership, they would be doing the opposite of what they're doing. They'd be doing things that would lead the country to a good direction. And they're not doing that. They're leading the country into uh, you know, China's back pocket. Then he says, or to put, a, a, put it in more populist fashion, you know, this is F with the bull, get the horns. <laughs> in other words, don't mess with the bull, uh, you won't get the horns. But uh, Berenson is saying, you know, mess with the bull, although he uses the F word, <laughs> get the horns. He says, Trump's not the bull. The voters are the bull. Trump, the horns. So there you go. So here's your metaphor. This is my closing metaphor for today. I'm going to stop a few minutes early because um, I don't want to start another article. I don't really have time. He says, or to put it in more populist fashion, F with the bull, get the horns. In other words, Trump, Trump is not the bull, the voters. So the voters, you know, in other words, mess with the voters, you're going to get Trump. Mess with the bull, you're going to get the horns. Trump is the horns. That's how it works. Got it, everybody? So the elites hate Trump because they would rather have prestige than leadership. And the voters love Trump because he actually represents them and treats everybody uh, you know, as a valued person, as opposed to the elites, which treat everybody as uh, as a non-person. That's pretty much it. Anyway, that's Alex Berenson. So if you want to, B-E-R-E-N-S-O-N, if you want to check out uh, his his column, Unreported Truths, um, on Substack, where I have to write an article. Probably this afternoon, too. All right, anyway, it is four minutes. Boy, I'm actually going to stop a couple minutes early. Four minutes to uh, 10 o'clock, um, Central uh, Daylight Savings Time. We've got something else I can play for you. It only takes a few minutes. Let me see what I've got here. You never know. The Declaration of Grievances. Da, 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 da. Oh, let's end with a little bit of uh, a couple of things of music. Let's, let's play Stars and Stripes. I'm feeling particularly patriotic today, so I'll play this and uh, close out the show.
Uh, such patriotic fervor. Let's stir up the feelings for Trump and let's uh, let's see what happens. Anyway, Christina Bob is coming on the show tomorrow. That's Trump's attorney uh, and advisor, and that's going to be fun. Got a lot of questions for her, including whether Trump should uh, apply for asylum in the United States from the um, the illegal uh, occupation government that's currently in the White House and uh, throughout the federal government. It should be interesting to find out. I mean, that's going to be uh, fascinating. I'm going to keep pursuing uh, the things going on in aviation. Um, I've got something on uh, Chip Roy. Uh, with what uh, he's doing to defund the DOH and the, um, uh, the, the, in other words, Depart- excuse me, Department of Justice and the DHS, Department of Homeland Security and the DOJ, the Department of Justice. So we'll see what's going on there. Apparently, I misread my time, but I only have about a minute and a half left, so I'm just going to play you our, uh, uh, our, our regular uh, classical piece for Ending Tuesday. Uh, and just invite you to come Wednesday. Wednesday's going to be a barn burner of a show. I mean, we've got a lot of stuff going on after Christina Bob's visit. We'll probably talk about uh, Christina Bob's visit. <laughs> so we'll see what's going on there. But my goal, of course, is to get us connected directly to the Trump campaign, uh, and we shall uh, uh, see what's going on there. So it looks like Marco's left. Talk to you tomorrow, Marco. Have a great time. Uh, let me scroll down and find my, my classical piece. I think I pretty much played everything I need to play uh, as far as that goes today. So I'll save my sarcastic piece I was going to play for next time, and let's get you guys on your way. And back tomorrow morning, 7 a.m. Central Time. Uh, as always, 7 a.m. Central Time. Uh, and again, Christina Bob's at 9, so two hours after that. And we'll uh, see what's happening. Where's my... Uh... Ah, there it is. Okay, anyway, here's our here's our classical piece for Tuesdays uh, that I play every Tuesday, and I will see you tomorrow morning and we're in 7 a.m. Central Time where we will do it all again. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.